This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. It is nearing the end of April here, and we are going out like lions. Lions? Like lions. Lions. Never came in like a lamb. Came in like a dang lion going out like a lion. I'm getting ferocious over here. I was all like, April showers, Mayflowers, anybody? Flowers? You're all... I don't know, man. Lions. You're all rar. I've got no flowers out here, man. It's in like San Francisco weather out here. Nothing's blooming yet. It's pretty, it's pretty chilly. Brad and Alex, yes. welcome to a near May. By the time we come back uh, next podcast, it will indeed be May. Wait, there's a new near coming out in May? Really? Oh, God. Yeah, it's near Mayo. Not a mayonnaise. Finally, just in time Mayo. for me to get my, my Emil uh, throw pillow, which I just got a couple of weeks ago. Did you say near mayonnaise? Yes, I did. Hmm. Uh, Ooh, mayonnaise. Uh, mayonnaise. Folks, you're listening to the Next Lander podcast. We're here to cover video games and the weather, mm-hmm. and uh, the only things that and, matter. And I'm all out of weather. We are going to be covering a games like a Teardown, which hit 1.0, Rogue Legacy 2, The Iron Oath, and Myth 
Force. You may have heard of it. You may mm-hmm. have seen us play it. Before we get to that, though, what's up? What's up, everybody? How's it going? Hmm. I, uh, what is up? I watched a film. Okay. That might is be of interest Nick, to, to you fellows as well as the people film. at home. No, I'm, I'm taking what? a little bit of a breather from the Nicolas Cage filmography now that I've watched all of them. Uh, yeah, there's okay. like nothing left, right? Yeah, no, at, at this point, I'm, I have nothing left except for whatever is coming next. Uh, that's, that's fine. He probably has like three more coming out next week. I think he has at least two more movies in the hopper right now. So a very prolific actor. He's making that he's making that Dracula movie. So that's that's exciting. Um, no, I watched the um, the Tony Hawk documentary that just came out a few weeks ago. The HBO oh. one uh, until the wheels fall off. Okay, you're all and you're all Tony Hawk men. You know Tony Hawk. You know skateboarding. I, yes, I'm a hawkman. Sure. Yeah, I'm a I'm a birder. So I've like watched a decent number of skateboarding documentaries over the years of things that he has appeared in and whatnot. You know, Dogtown and Z Boys and what have you. But uh, mm-hmm. this is like this is actually a pretty good overview of both his career and some dark shit that I did not know existed in the life of Tony Hawk. Whoa, it's not it's not like should, all, should all the ask? way dark, but like. Man, talk about a guy who was consumed by one thing and one thing only through most of his adult and teenage life. A 720. Yeah, well, in the 900, actually, was really Oh, the, the 900. That was kind was of that... his white whale. Did he do it? Yes, he he's done it? done it a few times. And I think I don't know if he's the only person to do it, but I'm pretty sure he was the first one to do it. What, what about a 1080? I don't think anyone's actually done a 1080. Ever? Not that I'm that aware of. That seems impossible. That seems thought, impossible. Didn't like a... Didn't like a I don't mean this to be condescending, but didn't to Tony Hawk didn't like a ten or twelve year old recently do like a nine hundred? It's possible. Yeah, the, here's the thing: the youth of today certainly could. I could see them pulling that off, maybe with a little bit more ease than the the guys of his generation. But it's a low center of gravity. You know? I mean, the main thing about this movie is that it's a nice overview of his career. It's him talking pretty plainly about the stuff that plagued him over the years, like his inability to kind of form relationships and stuff because he was so focused on skateboarding. Uh, and then there's this really amazing coda at the end where, you know, so he taught like there's a bunch of other old skaters that he used to skate with, like, you know, Lance Mountain and Christian Soy and a bunch of other the guys from that era. And it kind of gets near the end, like, like not his most recent injury. He apparently broke his uh, fibia recently. And I think that's like he, his one of the worst injuries one. he's had in a while. Yes, he has a bad leg injury going. But there was another one that they show, which is him trying to do some of the 900 stuff, one of the 900s, and he has like a massive, like his head collides with the ramp and like the helmet flies off level bad. And then there's a bunch, like it's, you know, Stacey Peralta getting on there and being like, someone needed to tell him to stop. Someone needs to tell him to stop doing this. That sounds like some kind of like telescoping neck injury. Yeah, it didn't look good. Um, He did recover from it, but. There's like, like bit- you see the x-ray view and like all the vertebra just like <laughs> totally like in the midway version together. of that that is definitely what happens but there's this bit at the end where like so they're talking to lance mountain who is as an older man now uh looks a lot like harry shearer but dressed like a skater which is very funny to watch uh but it's just him being like i don't think it's anyone's place to tell him how hard he can go into old age you know <laughs> i don't his, know it's his body it is but like the thing he says is like you know is what we've been doing our entire lives reckless? Is it, you know, dangerous? Is it like, you know, if we're going to affect our quality of life into old age in a way that, you know, probably ends up destroying us? Yeah. And I've made my peace with that, you know? Yes. And then they talk to Rod with it. And they talk to Rodney Mullen and Rodney Mullen, who is like this, has this personality of like this warrior poet. Like he's just an incredible, like 
articulate art, like borderline artist kind of poet kind of guy. And he's just like talking about like, yeah, man, like, you know, this is the dance we do. Like, this is my, this is our art form. This is how we express ourselves. And we can never stop doing it. We can never stop doing it. And it's just like, wow, I was here expecting just kind of like a nice, you know, kind of frivolous overview of the biggest skateboarder in the world. And now here are these old men who are really only about 10, maybe 15 years older than I am, basically talking about how the thing they love will inevitably destroy them. And they are okay with that. Tony Hawk is chasing a demon called hang time. Yeah, man. And he's never going to catch it. Because he's like 53 now, you know, like that's high for a skateboarder. Most skateboarders <laughs> at that point do that's, not continue to skateboard, at least certainly not competitively. It's kind of that's fairly old to be destroying your leg. But he can't stop. These people cannot stop. stop. They won't stop and they don't stop. That's, you know, like, I mean, to be clear, Tony Hogg doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do at this point. No, I mean, at one point in there, he very specifically singles out the $20 million advance check he got from Activision after uh, Tony Hawk 4 came out. Right. And it's just like, he's just like, I don't, I could not believe this was happening to me. So I'm pretty sure Tony Hawk's doing okay. But man, nothing will stop him. Do you think Tony Hawk, we, we've internally talked about health insurance stuff. You think Tony Hawk's health insurance, because he's Tony Hawk, you think he has to have some ridiculous plan that is, makes $20 million from Activision and... 90% of that goes to one year's premiums of health insurance. But like, you're freaking Tony Hawk. We're going to see you in like a week. I, I bet that guy has a Cayman Islands account that is just for medical expenses. <laughs> I mean, at some point, you just hire a, like, like, like on retainer a doctor. Yes. You just say, hey, you know, listen, you're my doc. I'm going to pay you $400,000 a year. You're just my doctor. Yeah. You just and follow me. When I'm in the shower, I want you outside. Yeah, like, I, just, I, I'm guessing Tony Hawk can afford the concierge service. Yes, yeah. definitely. But it's just, it was, I, I'll just say, it was a great documentary. Fascinating. If you're into Tony Hawk at all, I think it's worth checking out. I have not watched that other one that was actually about the Tony Hawk games, uh, mm. which came out, I think, a couple of years ago. I oh, keep meaning to watch that. A documentary about just the games? Yeah, it's uh, huh. uh, what something's... I think it's called I'm Your Superman or it's, it's you know, it's that Goldfinger song uh-huh. is the lyric from that Goldfinger song. Of course. But yes, they did make a documentary just about the making of those games and kind of the rise and fall of that franchise. I've not watched it yet, though. And what's the name of this Tony Hawk? Uh, it's Tony Hawk until the wheels fall off. It's an HBO original. Okay. And I was I'd looking at it. And I was like, this thing is over two hours long. Is this really going to cut it? And then, boy, at the end, they really justified that length. <laughs> I, ha- I have some news here. Yeah. A 1080 has been achieved. It has been achieved. Okay. I thought it that had only fact, been achieved in snowboarding, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. So originally, I, I just realized I was thinking of 1080 snowboarding. That's okay. Why that number was in my head. But 12-year-old Tom Shar in 2012. That's on, what I was thinking of. On a mega ramp. Okay. On a mega ramp, he landed a 1080. And then, uh, a let's see, a Brazilian skateboarder landed a 1080 in 2020 on a vert ramp. I mean, this this tracks because this is very much the arc of this documentary as well. Like it's it starts out with him kind of them kind of documenting how like his style of skateboarding kind of overwrote a lot of what skateboarding was before that and mm-hmm. talking to like specifically one of the old guys. I forget his name, but he was also the lead singer of U.S. Bombs. Like he was a real asshole. And it was apparently a huge dick to Tony Hawk because he was feeling threatened by the fact that his style like was so different from what everyone was doing. It kind of became the de facto thing. But then as time goes on, inevitably, those incredibly hard-to-grasp tricks 
become old hat. They become the thing yeah. everyone has to learn to do, and then new people have to innovate. Records are made to be broken. Yeah. When you make the impossible possible, I I think there's something about Tony Hawk that has been great, and I hope, knock on wood, it doesn't get ruined. Yeah. Where he, he was a really positive model for skateboarding. Like, seemed, seemed to go out there, have a real love for it, and just not have the attitude that a lot of people who are just amazingly good at things oh, sometimes the, have. There's a moment with that guy from U.S. Bombs where he's like, you know, he, even like he came back later and was like, you know, talking shit at some kind of competition. And then Tony immediately walked up and was like, hey, I heard about uh, I think some family member of his had passed away. And it was like, hey, I'm really sorry to hear that after this guy <laughs> had just been fucking like talking a ration of shit at him. And he was just like, fuck, man, who does that? <laughs> you know, like that's the, like as much as he may have had some interpersonal issues and, you know, like you know, living the celebrity life issues. Like for the most part, he seems like he has maintained that era, that aura of positivity. And it's not fake. Like he is yeah. that person. Yeah. Like, it, uh, well, like, and also, uh, um, not to sound too marketing, but like a very brand friendly. Oh person. yeah. You know, like it's, is like, Oh, we could put Tony Hawk on anything. He's kind of a good, good role model for the kids. Yes. I mean, how many people do you think got into skateboarding because of Tony Hawk? Like sixty percent at All the time the, for the yeah. especially anyone who got into it from the nineties on, yeah, like a huge portion, right? Just because of that one person, I mean, that, I mean that, that that's incredible. Yeah, uh, recommend. Seems like a decent guy. I mean, you know, maybe I'm buying a little too much into his social media persona. Yeah, his I, whole shtick is people coming up to him and going like, "You look like Tony Hawk." I mean, he's like, "Yeah, I do." I do wonder how much of that is actually a real running joke versus someone being right. like, hey, this is a way to get social media engagement. Yes, but, you know, it's exactly. like it's the I'm, least I'm, offensive version of that if that is what they're doing. I'm falling for it. Yeah. God damn it. Well, I, I would say relative to anything else, he seems to be doing OK. If you yes. take a put a put a pin in any other celebrity or social media standing so far for 30 years plus 40 years plus in probably doing this. Okay, Tony. But also, it's oh. okay. You don't have to push yourself anymore. Your watch has ended, man. The kids are all right. Skateboarding is still alive. Do what no, you need Tony to do Hawk to be happy. But man, you don't have to do the 900. I mean, I think he's retired the 900 at this point. But you can just, just take it down a notch, man. T Tony Hawk will be on the wall yeah. doing a 900. Yes, <laughs> Tony Hawk. His watch has never ended. He's gonna he's gonna go down on a skateboard off that giant ice wall. He's gonna kickflip into his own coffin when when it, <laughs> the time comes, many many years from right. now. Hopefully, he's gonna ride the coffin down, kickflip, land in it. Yes, and it'll just be like I don't know, nine hundred motherfuckers. I'm just not ready for the people who were not that much older than me that I grew up idolizing, talking about the ravages of time and how their their bodies can no longer do the things they want to do. I'm just not ready for that. Hey, let me tell you about my body and how I can't do the things that, that I want to do. Like yeah. sit in a chair for too long anymore. The ravages. Oh, you know, I spent my life doing what I wanted to do, which was playing video games. And I just, you know, I tore a <laughs> tore a muscle sitting in a chair. Uh, my controller fell at the same time that a drink was wobbling. And, you know, I just I extended too hard. And now you got to cut to somebody being like, is it our place to tell Vinny not to not to have a drink by him while he's playing video games when he's in his 40s? No, dude, it's not. Last year, I was laying on the ground just trying to reach for something. I turned my arm a quarter circle up and I could after that, I felt something pop and could not rotate my arm for three days. 
That's disgusting. Yeah. Never repeat that story. You better now? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is last year. Like, it was just three days of, like, I can't fully move my arm, and then, then it was fine. But, like, still, it's just, like, that stuff just kind of happens every now and again now. Inj- injuries should have a cause. It probably had a cause. I just don't know what it was. I mean, it's an obvious cause, yeah. I should say. I'm just, we're just joking. If you're listening, if you're yes, listening we're to young this, and vital, actually, where, where, uh, you should check out the TikTok where I'm doing just standing flips um, yes. on, on the social media. And if you're young, don't worry about it. You're pretty much invincible. All the stuff old people tell you about getting hurt and stuff. That's just to scare you because yeah. you're threatened. No, Go throw your body into the thresher maw <laughs> over and over and over again. Nothing bad will happen to you. <laughs> Eat like you're never going to gain weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just, just go for it. Cholesterol. Uh, it's fake. <laughs> it's fake. It's a government conspiracy. It's good for no. It's good for you. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's um. It's uh. That's just big veggie trying to scare you. All right. Let's get into some video games sure. here. Speaking of things uh, breaking and coming down, let's talk about Teardown, Dude. a game that was in early access for quite a bit here, uh, about two years. And now has hit its 1.0 release as of last week. This was like a pandemic game, right? Before like that's, that, I'm pretty sure. Was it before I that? Be wrong. I'd have to double check when it end actually. End of October 2020. Oh, the, really? Okay, so yeah, I thought no, this came around during no the pandemic. <laughs> like in my mind, I can remember like some, watching somebody play this in the office, which makes no sense because that didnn't happen. No. Apparently. Mm. Uh, but my brain it, thinks it did. It's the game where you are... Um, well, first of all, it's got that look, right? It's a voxel yeah, game. Yeah, okay, actually, yes. I think that's why I'm remembering it being so old is because this game started... I've been following this game since it started its life on Twitter as an animated GIF. Mm. Like, literally, this was like a single developer game and he didn't even have a name for it or really even a concept so much as like, hey, I'm working on my own voxel engine. Check this shit out. And you know how animated GIFs can go viral when they look rad? It was very much one of those. Yeah. Like, like the destruction, the destructibility in this game is just ridiculous it is off the chart and so i was watching those gifts going man that's going to be a good game someday and then consciously avoided it while it was in early access so i just started playing it this week i think it might be one of the coolest games i've ever played <laughs> it's uh it's it's yeah it, so your your task is the setup is you are part of this one man destruction company mm-hmm. or seemingly one man destruction company demolition company uh, and quickly you kind of get roped into a series of, it seemed like, uh, ultra rich spats where you're basically just destroying, uh, uh, getting vengeance. One person wants you to destroy a thing because they're mad at some other ultra rich person. And that person wants to destroy a thing because they're mad at the person. Who Congratulations. You destroy you're, a thing. you're describing the future of warfare. Yeah, except they don't really realize that you're just doing all the destroying back and forth. They're like, somebody broke all my boats. I think it was this ultra rich person. Could you go break his thing? And uh, then this, the, this cop comes along. It's like, oh, I'll overlook that historic site you just demolished if you'd solve this other problem for me. Yeah. So then there's this other plot where, yeah, you're just kind of trying to figure out what's going on in the background with some cop who uh, um, has has some dirt on you now. Uh, mm. And you're. So how that manifests usually is there's a scenario, there's a map and there are certain items on the map that are usually tied to alarms. So it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a puzzle game really. So kind of, yeah, I, I um, think, I think what I really would point out about it though, is that it really feels like a tech demo with a, a game, like a thin veneer <laughs> of a game stretched around it. 
Sure. Because it is literally just a first person game where you can break everything. You can break everything, and uh, uh, the the goals in the game are usually get the items attached to uh, the alarms. But as soon as you hit an alarm, you have about a minute to then get finish getting the items and get back to your uh, getaway vehicle, which could be a boat or a truck or whatever it is. But the catch is you can break anything, so you're kind of trying to make a path that is the fastest way to set up getting maybe sometimes three, sometimes four, maybe more items, and then get out of there within a minute. There are also vehicles, a lot of vehicles on the map that you can use and string along. So you kind of spend an unlimited amount of time setting up your route, do a quick save, and then grab the first item and then try and haul your butt to make uh, the best route out of there and get as much as you can and and get off the map. Yeah. It's, pretty hard it's uh, yeah it's, it's, it's not easy like, like that puzzle solving aspect in and of itself is cool and it can like that 60 second timer i think is like just short enough that you kind of really flail on your way out of there you know yeah it's like oh my god this is taking longer than i thought and then you see a propane tank and you're like i'm just gonna grab that <laughs> and throw it into this brick wall that i can't break any other way and try to make a hole and just get out you know like that stuff's fun uh i wish i had spent more time with the campaign because the second that i discovered mods <sighs> I'm afraid I'm not going to go back to the campaign again. Oh, no. <laughs> Have you messed with the mods in this game? I haven't. No, oh, my I've, God. Just, I've been mostly going through the campaign. What okay. are some greatest hits for you? So, like, the first few levels, you basically just have a sledgehammer. Like, that's it. And it breaks wood and, I think, stone. Like, you can't break brick or metal. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of stuff you can't break with the the sledgehammer. And then they give you a blowtorch. Mm-hmm. And then I realized you can set things on fire. Mm-hmm. And then my latent pyromaniac tendencies started kicking in. And then I started going in the sandbox and installing mods, and then I never looked back. Like, I'll probably Damn. go back to the campaign because it's how you unlock more uh, levels for the uh, challenges and sandbox. Although there might just be a way to mod in access to everything. Oh, uh, you but, can do that. I'm pretty sure you can do that in the actual options for the game. They have some accessibility options. That's like turn the oh, timer off or, or, like, or like okay. unlock all the levels. Okay. And- I, I'll probably go back to the campaign. Like there, there is some pretty interesting puzzle solving stuff in there. I was reading, there was a story on PC gamer that was just like, Hey, here's a bunch of weird shit I did in teardown. <laughs> and like, have you seen the map? I haven't gotten this far. There's a map where you have to like set a time, like a, a speed record on a, on a time trial, like a racetrack. There is the racetrack map but i don't think i have set a had a a thing where i need to set a speed i don't think so so i guess i guess there's a mission or maybe it's a challenge it might be a challenge rather than a campaign mission where you have to set like a a a, a, like a a time a record on on the racetrack and the the author of the story figured out like they couldn't hit the time and then they figured out if they just ran around and broke all the checkpoints it would stop recording (laughs) their time and they could just like basically destroy the racetrack and then just go straight to the finish and actually like satisfy the condition like that that kind of shit is amazing when you can just like utterly break the mechanics of the game to satisfy what it wants love it it's the i i have found it to be if you're if you're trying to play the puzzle part of it can be can be difficult unless i think you are thinking about just breaking the thing like if you're trying to uh, you, you got you got a bunch of stuff. You got a shotgun. You got uh, which can shoot through some brick. You got a, a pistol, which I haven't found much use for. Uh, you get um, planks, which can kind of tie things together. You get you have a fire extinguisher for the fire because the fire can set off fire alarms if it yeah. goes too much. And the, the campaign that is like one thing that I wish was a little less punitive is that if you set too big a fire, like it'll start filling up a like fire alert mm-hmm. kind of meter. 
the more fire there is. And if you fill that meter, then it trips the 60 second timer. Like you're, you just are done, which is a little, <laughs> bit, a, a little bit kind of, they limiting. have some levels where that, that gets interesting with the mechanics that, that are centered around there. The, they're fun to play and demolish. I, sometimes I, I like just the destroy this thing levels in, versus the you? Stuff. no, yeah. you, you really, I mean, we may end up doing some video of this game in the near future. You really need to check out the sandbox and the modding stuff because that's where it really gets ridiculous. <laughs> like getting the blowtorch is when I realized, like, oh my god, this game is simulating all kinds of shit. Like, mm. you know, there's like it's fl- there's like flammability and buoyancy for boats and stuff like that. Like, there's kind of sort of structural integrity to all the buildings, and they'll collapse in realistic ways when you undermine their foundations. And like, you can set some really ridiculous fires in that game. <laughs> like, everything that should be flammable is flammable, and it's like. Far Cry 2, eat your heart out. Like, this is probably the best fire propagation I have seen in a game. And, like, I loaded up a mod that is a giant cruise ship. And I also had mods installed for jetpack and laser gun. Mm-hmm. And I just flew around this boat, like, carving sections out of the boat until the boat sank. Like, it's so much fun to just play with all the physics and, and, the, and the systems and stuff in this game. Like, it's ridiculous. I found a mod for, I think they call it, like, the Omni Cutter. Oh, that sounds good. Literally lets you draw patterns in midair of things you want to cut. And it will just like, you have to see it in action. It's really weird. You literally draw this like string in the air and then it sort of moves forward into whatever's in front of you and cuts that out. Oh, that sounds cool. And it completely destroys your performance. Like it is obviously like (laughs) fucking with the physics in a way that it should not to the point that it was like single digit frame rate for me while it was happening. But it's like taking enormous chunks out of everything. Are we living? Man, it's, it's, it's so awesome. Are we living in a new golden age of of destroying shit in video games? Because I feel like between that and that, what was that game that we played a few weeks ago? Instruments of destruction. Instruments of destruction. Like yeah. these are small projects made by not a lot of people, but like yeah. the things they are able to do with physics and destruction effects and particles and whatnot, like feels a pretty heavy cut above like what we would normally get from games. Period. Yeah, we're totally. I mean, we're getting there, and we've got all kinds of compute resources we didn't used to have. You know, like instruments of destruction. Like they straight up say, like, oh, we're running a bunch of the particle simulation on the GPU and stuff like that. Yeah, like, there's definitely like horsepower to play with that we didn't used to have. I love um, it. It's a shame the Criterion like, is no longer around. Yeah, man. Uh no, they're totally still making a game. Okay, you well, you know what helicopter? I mean. You know what I mean. You saw that helicopter. That, that, I, that helicopter mm, might as they well. They showed footage. That I might as well have watched that helicopter crash at this point. Yeah, That's not happening. Yes, yes no. But uh, I don't know what else to say about Teardown because it's hard to like you know qualify, hey, it's fun to destroy stuff any further. Yeah. But, hey, it's, it's really it fun sells to destroy that stuff. Way. Like, the, like that laser gun mod is just this very surgical, like it's just a solid beam and you can just literally like run around a building shooting the entire foundation out from under the building and it sets things on fire. So like mm. you're like demolishing this building from the foundation up at the same time that you're setting it on fire. And it's just like a symphony of destruction. Mm. Dun, dun, there's done. Yes. There, there's a, um, in the campaign when you're setting stuff up, there's, there's a lot of joy in, lining up all the vehicles so that when you get a thing to jump into a car to just run it off and eject out of it before it crashes into a building like there have been times i've run cars through the second story of a building off a ramp because that's the fastest way to get up there and since the cars will just crash through a wall sometimes 
but that caught you you were just destroying the vehicle like i have run boats into piers and just crumpled the boat uh because the that's the fastest way to go and then after you're done it'll show the overhead of the map and a red line of what your path was but it doesn't reset the map so you just see this red line with all these carcasses of vehicles and stuff as you went oh yeah that's the stuff and it's pretty good and then uh on one map with the fire uh there was a building that was in my way and it was it was too big basically to just tear down uh so i set it on fire at the big start of the map and then mapped out my whole thing and I had a time so that by the time the fire alarm went off, I was sitting by the first thing to get. And by the time I got to where I had to run a car through that building, it was basically burned down, which was pretty awesome. Love it. Uh, and that, cause that was a super hard map. I, I barely, I've had to run those maps multiple, multiple, multiple times because, um, multiple, the, multiple, multiple. Is, multiple, multiple, multiple to the point where it's frustrating, but the, the, a minute is just not a lot of time for, for the way they spread those things. Out. Yeah. Like you're, you're right. I, I haven't spent enough time with the campaign to have done a ton of that, but like there's absolutely a, a lot of value in setting up this, like almost Rube Goldbergian kind of just ridiculous yeah. pathway with stuff like that. And like hitting those timers, you know, making it out in 60 seconds. Like there's absolutely a clockwork puzzle solving satisfaction. We're trying to, to mousetrap that, that shit. As, yes, exactly. For sure. I, I do wish there was more stuff. I, I should try this more of being able to move the entire wall without setting the alarm on something off. So if you were to take a thing that is attached to the alarm and yeah. just take the whole wall off to move it. Most of the time when I've tried it, the alarm goes off. Yeah, but one, I wonder one, if you got a big enough chunk. One of the one of the prerequisites for anything that has a wire attached to it is if you break the wire, it'll set the alarm off. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, but even, but even if you detach the box from the wall, the alarm goes off without yeah. breaking the wire. So like, I, I wonder though, I've tried taking the whole pieces of the wall to be like, how do you do this? Cause a lot of them also have optional objectives that can be hard and maybe you just need different tools or maybe at some point you get something that, um, moves you faster. I guess the thing I've learned is always set a car up or something nearby to get you from your one point to the next. It's oh, a lot of fun. Oh, that's a good idea. I didn't think about that. Oh yeah. Those, those things are, that, that stuff is vital. Uh, so out, out now on the PC tear down. I wonder if that, I wonder if that could come to, cause it, you know, by the time when it came out in early access, the, we weren't, didn't have a PS five or a series X. I wonder if that would run okay on those now. Probably. I mean, yeah. I, could look at the, I could look at the, the, uh, hardware requirements and gauge that, but like, I will say it feels like a really PC ass PC game. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the sense that does it even have controller support? Yes, definitely. it does. Okay. I've been playing. Mouse well, keyboard. Um, it's got mouse in menus, but once right. you're in the game, it's that's, fine. That's what I mean is like a lot of the menus and the wrapping around the game feels like, again, sort of barely more than a peg tech, tech demo. I'll know? say it again, yeah. though. We live a in a world where Crusader Kings 3 is on consoles now. Like anything is possible. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, like it feels like it feels like a lot of programmer menus, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. It's just a lot of raw functionality exposed in some really basic ass menus. Like it can absolutely, I think, be adapted for console i think yeah like it, the recommended graphics card is a 1080 so yeah okay you could, you could almost certainly do this on console surely they the power should. of the ps5 can handle this they should do that that would be cool it would be neat it'd be a fun thing uh and uh the yeah the controller support it's more like steam integrated controller support i don't know if it even has native controller support uh but it, i was playing it with a controller and it, it was fine i'm, I'm telling or, you though you got to get in there and look at the mods at some point have you seen robots 
No. So they're, they're, a, they're a bunch of, to the developer's credit, there are a ton of like, like developer-made mods included out of the box. Hmm. And a lot of them are for letting you like kind of poke at the functionality in there. And there's a robot scripting language in this game. Oh, and I have a, not seen that. And there's a straight up like robot zoo in the mod list. That's just a bunch of like every type of robot in the game with little signposts that say this robot will chase you when spotted and is aggressive or whatever. You know, it's like, huh, here's a bunch of different examples of the types of robot behavior you can script. Um, so there's that to it, but you really just got to take a look at the mods at some point. Cause there's just all kinds of crazy shit. Like somebody built the entire international space station as a level for this game. If for, you break the outside, do you for, die? For example, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't installed it yet, but I wonder like they probably, I assume they've, they're simulating the gravity properly in that thing. Huh? Like there's a bunch of stuff huh. ported over from Gary's mod in the steam workshop. Uh, it's man, it is awesome. There's so much cool stuff in this. Love it. I'm glad that game turned out. It it's always like a really, cool. yeah, it's like a really thriving mod community. Yeah. I don't remember the, the sandbox stuff in early access. I, I messed with, but I don't remember taking down many mods at the time. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break here and we'll come back and talk about some rogue legacy Two, the iron oath and myth for so stick around. Sorry, can I interject real quick? Did I say the teardown was 30? Did I say I, I don't? I, I don't think I we actually have, said. Okay, I may not have set a price. I was going to say thirty. It's actually twenty. Ooh, even better. <laughs> just, just a uh, due diligence. Tear down twenty dollars. PC out now. Uh, Steam, I think, exclusively. I believe. Uh, go right. get it. We'll we'll be right back. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to. I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day, my busy schedule, your time, which is worth more than anything find those subscriptions and cancel brad shoemaker do you live a subscription lifestyle i am just a walking monthly bill at this point <laughs> it's the world we live in if you need help boy guys i got some uh, i got some news for you rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. All right, we are back and ready to talk about Rogue Legacy 2. Also, out of early access rogue legacy 2 sequel to rogue legacy as you might imagine there's a rogue light where did we all where did we all land on rogue legacy i didn't really play very much of it oh man i love that game i remembered at least some people on the staff were super into it i thought it was you were one of them 
Yeah, it was like a very early PS4, Xbox One game. It's like one of the first big downloadable games I remember coming out after those consoles launched. Yeah, it was like, what, 2014, uh, 2015, somewhere think, in there? I, I believe that's right. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's kind of a Metroidvania side-scrolling. It's, it's from the developers of Don't Shit Your Pants. Mm, yes. <laughs> Probably worth pointing out. Because, uh, I mean, still, how do you follow that game up, honestly? Which is, which is still prominently displayed on their homepage, despite having made, like, I don't know, six other games since then. Um, I think Rogue Legacy was probably their biggest game, like cellar door games. Like they put out like what Full Metal Furies, I want to say. That sounds they've right. Put a, they've put out a couple of games since Rogue Legacy one uh, that I don't think hit as well. Maybe it was just Full Metal Furies, which I don't think hit as hard. But now they're back to Rogue Legacy two. Like it is very much another Metroidvania side scrolling roguelike. It's the one with the heredity, right? Mm-hmm. It's the one where you die and then you have offspring and each of those offspring can have traits that affect how they play. Uh, and it's very much that again. Uh, it looks it looks way better than the first game. Like if you go back to the first game, like the pixel art, I think is a little bit primitive looking. Hmm. And this game has got a really nice, sharp, high res art quality to it. Um, have you guys played it at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I played um Played a couple of runs of it. I'm still terrible at Rogue Legacy. Okay. I, uh, what What is it? I've, where do Where do it, you run into a wall with that game? Um, you know, it's just it, I find it hard, difficult. It's just that okay. you know, depend depending on you know this. I I don't remember enough about Rogue Legacy one to remember how many different classes they have. This one, you know, brings back. Um, let's see, it's got archers. It's got barbarians. It's got Valkyries, warriors, mages. Am I leaving anything out? Chefs. Chefs. I didn't un- unlock the chef I have yet. Not, I have not played the chef. They have a frying pan. As uh, they should. And so, you know, you, you kind of, you make your way through, you get money, you bring the money back with you into the, uh, upgrading your home base, which are the permanent upgrades. And then you can, you can spend some money to buff your run basically, but then you have to kind of lose a, the remainder of your money. You, you, I mean, some smaller mechanics aside, you basically lose the remainder of your money before you start the run, right? So you yeah. you come back from a run, spend all your money, start a new run. And, you know, it's just, it's an action game. It's an action platformer kind of thing that is one of those things where you can kind of find yourself in a spot where the room sucks. Right. You know, the, you got into like, a bad room and oops, that's you it. A, yeah, you got into a bad room and, uh, uh, and then you kind of die get your upgrades and play again. And I like it. It's just, I'm just not good at it. I yeah, just, it, it I is. I mean, it well. is extremely punishing. It's got almost uh, the same bullet hell quality that the first one did of, yes, there will just be like 800 projectiles flying around the screen in some cases. Um, but the mobility is amazing. You know, like half the classes, like you kind of keep moving while you attack and like you can dash in different directions. And like, I, I think there's pretty high skill ceiling on it. I can't remember if the first game had this. There's like a, an air recovery whenever you take a hit. Like when you're kind I of, don't remember you're kind of bouncing back Castlevania style. You can hit the mm-hmm. jump button at the right time and kind of like flip out of the knockback and kind of keep moving and dash out of that. Um, it just it, it feels like there's a lot more depth and variety to the ways you can customize your character builds and, and things you can do at the home base in this one. Um, I don't remember if the first game had resolve, which is like a a budget essentially mm-hmm. like like the less armor you're wearing the more resolve you have and then the more resolve you have the more artifacts you can equip but then resolve goes down when you go yeah like it's it's, it's a, a lot of trade-offs act. there 
a lot of trade-offs there. Like it, it is very much more rogue legacy. Yeah. But uh evolved. You know, like it looks way better. I think there's a lot more variety to the options you have for customizing stuff. I still have not beaten the first boss yet. It's still quite hard. Yeah, it, it's I I find my runs through it enjoyable and then I get super frustrated and put it down and don't want to do another run for a bit because, you know, you spend a bunch of time on a run. Uh I don't know if it is picking up from any narrative stuff from rogue legacy one, but eh, I don't know that it had a whole lot of story. I definitely yeah, don't, I don't remember don't the narrative of that game at all. Oh yeah. Actually the, I didn't think, yes, that's the other thing I was going to mention is like, there's like, there's a lot more narrative in this. seems like you're like, you're either building up to some kind of revolution or coming along <laughs> in the wake of one. I'm not quite sure which, yeah. but there's a lot of like text logs scattered around. Like the writing is pretty flippant. Um, but it's got like, it's got a little bit more of a found narrative dark souls kind of feel to it. Like you're running into NPCs scattered around the castle now. Okay. That have like really ambiguous things to say about what's going on in a very soulsy kind of way. And it's got like a quest log, like an ambient quest log. It's not like you're picking up quests and they're like, Hey, go to this room and get 10 of these. It's much more like, Hey, I heard this one nobleman hid a secret chamber in this tower. If you look between the second and third lanterns. <laughs> And stuff like that, like ways to access like secrets and also bosses. And it's much more of a like there are all these things hidden around and you need to like puzzle out the description that came from talking to this character and figure out how to get there. Like it's, it's pretty cool. That's neat. I, so, I always appreciate it when they, they're willing to not handhold that stuff. So so some of the rooms are the same, but the layout changes. Is that yeah, how it it's is? all it's all proc gen level layout stuff but it is you know the first game had similar stuff like there are fairy rooms that are like challenge rooms that you have to satisfy mm-hmm. conditions in there's uh i forget the names of some of the new ones but it's it's very much like oh it's one of these rooms like oh I, yeah oh, i remember this type you know they're all obviously they're all arranged in random ways and then uh you can pay money to lock down the castle so it doesn't shift around if you so desire i think one of the one of my maybe minor criticisms is coming on the heels of rogue legacy. I think it assumes a lot that you know more about rogue legacy than maybe I did. Sure. And throws a lot of the castle building very quickly at you. Yeah. Um, like you're just, you, you, you maybe get five upgrades after your first run and you're just like bang, 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 uh, and unlock two or three classes and you're, you're moving pretty quickly through that stuff and absorbing a lot where I feel like in rogue legacy one, it was, stretched out a lot more where you you know oh my gosh i finally got the blacksmith or oh my gosh now i have the uh enchantress to do relics and stuff and this i, I feel like within 10 minutes you have i don't know you you have a lot mm. uh to, to go through so not that that's a necessarily a bad thing but some familiar familiarity there you go with uh a rogue legacy probably does does a body good on that not that it's hard to pick up the the concepts aren't that that hard it's just yeah there's definitely an aspect of kind of information overload to it like it's got a better sub screen the first one did like it's got tabs for like stats and gear and like here's all the artifacts you're carrying like you can get summaries of like what are all the traits and unique things i have going on on this run but there's kind of a lot of there's a lot of stats and percentages and passives to sort through and the way you spend your money and how that's going to work in the game it's it's kind of explained not explicitly, but you, you get it pretty quickly in terms of, hey, you spend your money, upgrade's going to cost more as you buy them, and you're going to lose some of your money when you go back into the castle. It's 
it's neat though like uh, the combat feels good and that's super important i think the the fighting feels pretty good like brad said the mobility feels pretty good and exploring the castle though sometimes feels aimless i think it's part of the game design like you're exploring the castle and wandering around yeah looking for or where to go uh so brad did you get did you open a boss door yeah i fought the first boss a few times it is not okay it's not easy Okay. That so how do you, you, you get I, I did not o- open the boss. Oh, uh, well, so that's one of those quest kind of things that I was talking about was like to open the, did you, have you found the first boss door? I just, not yeah, I found it? a couple of them. Yeah. Well, like the, the bones with the big thorns. There's, in front no, of them? there's only one actual boss door for that first area. There are these two like blood lanterns next to it. Okay. So that's where, that's where that quest solving stuff comes in that I was talking about where it's like, you find a thing that's like, I forget how they put it in very flowery language. It's like, Oh, you must, you must light both blood lamps without, I, f- I forget what I forget how they put it, but like the upshot is you need certain upgrades that you may not have yet to pull that off. Okay. Like you need, you need certain things, certain abilities. It's kind of, it's very Metroidvania in that way uh, they don't just, okay. come, they don't just come out and say, Hey, you need to do this and this to open this boss door. It's much more like in context in the story, but it does rely on finding certain upgrades to, to pull I, those things off. I did find a, th- a room in, so I think I may have seen that one with the blood lanterns. I did get to the, they, they kind of segment out the leveled areas and was it the Stygian library yeah. whatever had a thing where it just straight up had text on the screen. That's like, Hey, you need this yes. to proceed. But I was going to mention, so like the first game was the same where it's like, Oh, here's the easy first area. And then these other harder areas spoke off of that. Every, every run. I, what I remember in the first game, you could just kind of wander in, into any of those really hard areas. Willy nilly. Mm-hmm. This game is much more of a Metroidvania style gating you off from those things without certain items. Like you flat out try to go to the other areas before you've beaten that first boss. And it's just like, you need the so-and-so shoes to to go in here at all. So it's, it's kind of, it's a little more on rails. It's a little more directed by what abilities you have. Um, it, it is very much more rogue legacy. Like it plays very much the same, which is good because that game had amazing controls. Uh, I'm into it. Cool. And so, this is um this is also PC. This is not on I mean it was early access. It's gonna be out of early access by the time this goes up or nearabouts. But is this coming to consoles, do you know? Xbox. It is Epic, Steam, and Xbox at launch, I okay. believe. I don't think it's on Switch or PlayStation. At least not at launch. Okay. Yeah, I, I assume it. Yes, that that is correct. It's it. it's PC and Xbox for now. You think that one gets the game? Twenty five bucks? What's up? Do you think that one will get the game pass? Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Over under. Uh, I mean, it hasn't been announced, but like tunic was a release day. Hey, by the way, it's on game pass kind of thing. So I guess it's possible, but I just, I would never, never bet against it at this point. Fair. I don't know how over under works. Me either. I'm not, I'm not a betting man. (laughs) I, I play poker. That's it. So, uh, double down. Yeah. All, All in. in. All right. Uh, Alex, tell me about The Iron Oath. The Iron Oath. Uh, this is a game that actually just came to early access, I'm going to say, in the last week-ish. We'll go with that. Um, okay. It is on Steam in early access. Uh, it is... So I'm going to use these games. I'm not saying these are the first games to ever do stuff like this. These are just my most recent cultural touchstones. It is a little bit of Banner Saga and a little bit of Darkest okay. Dungeon. 
Sure. So okay. it is a turn-based tactical RPG. Co- like the combat system is very much similar to what I remember from like Banner Saga. It is like a grid. You place your your dudes on the screen. Everyone kind of moves around. There's like our obstacles on the on the the grid, and uh, it's a little bit of the management system of Darkest Dungeon, which is that you are running a mercenary group in a fantasy world, and there are different class types. You can recruit people to join your team. You have to pay them. You have to keep them alive, all that stuff. You have to put them in the infirmary when they're injured, all that kind of stuff. It's a business management aspect in that regard. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it has a little bit of that sort of Darkest Dungeon managing personalities and, you know, like a little bit of quest stuff around that the edges as well. And it's an open world map where there are a bunch of cities on the map. You kind of it takes time to go from place to place. Random quests can pop up along the way as you're going. Uh there is a story about the void and a dragon destroying everything and the darkness sweeping across the land. Perhaps you've heard this one before. Uh, maybe not the immediate draw for me, but the uh, the combat is actually pretty good out of the gate. Mm. I feel like it's tough. There's three difficulty levels. I started on the default. And it is punishing without being brutal. Like, I would say you have to be careful you're definitely going to save scum some battles if you if you're like me, um, but it is it it's satisfying when it works out and when stuff goes well. Um, when you go into the bigger dungeons, this, similarly to, to Rogue Legacy, that's the, the layouts are randomized and it's basically just like you're kind of moving along a grid. You can scout certain areas to see if there's something up ahead to avoid being ambushed. You can campfire sort of the way that uh, the Darkest Dungeon does on its runs. To kind of replenish some health and some abilities, uh, those are kind how's of the, the big how, bullet points. How does the timeline work for for who's up next? Are you pushing people around in terms of initiative order, or is it always set uh, in the in the battle? It's. I think there's some kind of stat that is determining who goes in what order. Though I, it's not okay. clear to me right out of the gate exactly what that stat is. Um, but it is, it definitely seems like there are certain types of, of heroes that go earlier than others. And can you knock like an enemy back in the initiative order so they can't hit somebody? There are like stun abilities. There are blind abilities. There are knockback abilities. There's all kinds of stuff you can do to kind of move dudes around the board and, and fuck up their turns. And do they, is there any sense of you knowing what the enemy is going to do so you can get out of their way? Like, uh, um, what is it? What am I thinking of game? You know, basically games where you make them whiff yes. or hit them, hit themselves or knock them, move them around the board. Yeah. There's some of that. Like sometimes they will like do a thing to the grid you're standing on. Like if you're standing in this void thing, you will take twice the amount of damage or Hey, there's okay. this, I set a trap here. So if you walk there, you're going to get stuck in the trap, that kind of stuff. Cause it's a big hex base yes. floor, right? Yes. And so, uh, it's positioning, I assume pretty important. Yeah, it is to a degree. Uh, like I wouldn't say like, you know, if you're cautious, you won't get into too many like dire situations, but exercise caution is my recommendation because it's definitely a game that like, if you get too many people out of position, you're kind of fucked. Any uh, environmental stuff you've seen? I mean, there's obstacles on the board and there are certain things like if you're in an ice area, sometimes there are parts of the board where you will just fall into the damn ice and then you're out for a turn. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of that. And you can use the obstacles, uh, like, for instance, if you want to put someone behind cover, there's like 50% and 100% cover. Okay. Okay. And so if, but and also that, if an enemy is behind that stuff, that will lessen the amount of damage or like block the amount of damage you can do. 
It's got a really nice look to it. Yeah, yeah. It's got pix- it's got a pixel art, but it's yeah. it's very it's very like detailed, very nice animated. I mean, I'll, I'll say it again: animated gifs, good way to market your game. Totally. Mm. But like, yeah, the just the way these characters move in battle looks pretty awesome. Like, yeah, I've put about five hours into it so far, and I'm debating whether I want to keep going because. It seems like most of what you would expect to be there is there in the early access launch. There are a couple of little things that they're like, hey, this is not this will come in a later, you know, update. But it doesn't seem like it's like story content so much as it is just like, mm. hey, here's another upgrade tree or here's another thing that, you know, you will eventually have access to. It seems like there's a decent amount of content there. So I might just kind of keep messing with it for a while and see how it goes. That's the eternal question about early access. It is. How deep do I go with this, if at all, because this looks rad, but it's not done. I find that when I'm playing games that feel like the gameplay is a very good, repeatable loop, I don't mind playing through early access and maybe even like replaying sections once it goes to 1.0. But if it is a more story-based game or something that is like, hey, if I'm really worried about my progression here, I tend not to latch on as much. Like, the only two games I really latched onto with early access in recent years were Hades and Darkest Dungeon. Hmm. And I did not take to Darkest Dungeon 2's early access so much because, I don't know, I just haven't really found any groove with that game yet. I kind of want to see if they they change some stuff up. But this one seems pretty good. Yeah, this looks cool. I I just, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just kind of, my habit these days is to see a game that's early access and think it looks cool and then go, I'm just going to wait. Yeah. Like, that, that happened... It just happened to happen this week with both Rogue Legacy 2 and Teardown. I get it. Uh, I, I think that, you know, like I said, there are certain things that I feel more comfortable with it versus others. And I do wonder, I don't know, like, it, we'll talk about this again in a minute. I do think that there is a real danger to launching with not enough in early access because it will kind of mm. like, once you get that first impression from someone, even if you have like a list on your web page of like, here's all the updates we have coming up. Here's all the things we're going to add. If you, if you start out too Spartan, I feel like sometimes that will just put people off, even if it's unfair for them to do so. So, you know, I'm, I kind of share that similar thought, Alex, that you did. It depends on the game and the type of game, how deep I'm going to go in early access. But oftentimes, especially with this type of job, it's it's almost like a paid preview cycle. Like you're you're you can get in, be like, I I paid for this thing, played my hour or two, and for us, that is hey we're gonna render an opinion on this where this thing is like we went to a preview event almost but paid twenty dollars to do it yeah and and then you know there are some games like boulders gate three where like i don't want i don't want any progress reset yeah i don't want to put hours and hours in and then have a reset but then there are games like satisfactory that i'm totally fine putting hours and hours in and then they reset stuff or change stuff and that's okay for me so it's weird like I'm glad you played the Iron Oath and played it in early access because it puts it on a map. Right. right? It's on the radar. Like it's on a radar in a way that maybe it would be, maybe it wouldn't be if you didn't talk about it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it so far and I think I will keep going for at least a little while. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they have a pretty solid offering here out of the gate. It's almost like you need a combo, like a, a, a triple combo with early access of, um, demo, early access and then you get the retail version right so you demo it see if you if it's enough for you to get in the early access pay the early access fee because occasionally it's really neat to see progress like a big update in a game where where you're just touching base with it to say oh man they added this weird thing in teardown they added a a new gun or something like that i just want to check it out and then put it back down and not play the whole thing until release 
Teardown's a pretty good one for early access because it's, I think, Brad, like you said, it's almost like a tech demo with a story sure. tapped onto yeah. it. So you just kind of watch the tech get better. Like the, the particle effects kind of just got better over time and the performance got better and they added stuff to it, but you didn't really miss out too much. Totally. Yeah, like I'm not, um, I don't mean to knock early access. It absolutely has its place and it can be done really well. Like Hades is a game that did it super well. You know, they had a Discord, they communicated extremely thoroughly with their their user base and they took feedback and like the whole thing and they finished the game you know yeah. like mm-hmm. occasionally uh you know occasionally you can get a game that seems promising and then like for whatever reason it just lies fallow for some long period of time where it's like oh are they gonna finish this this isn't really coming along well and the thing also oh, yeah. with like with hades and i i would say also with the original darkest dungeon is that with those initial offerings they had already found the fun you know, like yeah. those are games that it, they added a lot of content. They changed things, they rebalanced things, and they made it better. But what they started with was very fun out of the gate, and that was what kind of kept me interested in it. Yeah, I think that the flip side of that is, I think you can, if you play too much of it early, you can kind of feel like you got your fill of that mm-hmm. hook totally before it was all there. And then it's kind of sometimes it's tough to go back when you feel like you've really absorbed the the kind of the meat of it. Yeah, but it, but also, you know, I think if you didn't, or maybe. You, you tell me if if it weren't for coverage, that's fine though, right? Like you paid your money, you got your fill for, from it, and do you even need a 1.0 release at that point? For us, I feel like when 1.0 comes out, we feel an obligation to go check it back out and and cover it. But you know, if we didn't have this job and I played something in early access and felt like ah, you know, I kind of got what I wanted to get out of it for my 20 bucks, I don't know if I would feel like oh, I don't have the energy to go back to a 1.0 release and, and feel guilty about it. Or I wouldn't feel, feel guilty or cheated be, by that. I think no. it'd just be okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd just be okay. But something like Scrap Mechanic that feels like it's in early access purgatory in, in, forever. Since time immemorial. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm cur- I have a curiosity to know what that game would look like in 1.0. You know, like, what what is 1.0 of Scrap Mechanic? What are we doing there? Some games just... They linger. They linger. Especially those open world ones. Do you have to let it linger? Uh, Do you have to? Do you have to? Well, we've got we've got one more um, early access joint here. Maybe this one should have lingered uh, a little longer t- to talk about, Ooh. and that is Myth Force. Hmm. I don't want to be too negative on this one out of the gate. I, I I do think there is something here, but this is maybe one that could have benefited from starting with a demo. Uh, it's a pretty decent concept. We streamed it on Monday. Yeah, it's a it's a four player. It's a four player one of those. It's a it's a four player mm. co op PVE. Yeah, roguelite. Uh, lightly inspired by 80s cartoons it's an 80s cartoon yeah i would say heavily inspired Uh, top to bottom yeah yeah um it's just super light on content i think we played through all the content there probably is so far like at least twice on that stream uh you know it's class-based like there are there's a bunch of loot that drops like there's a bunch of again variability in builds for your characters in this roguelike for the second time on the show um (laughs) But that's it. Like, there's there's just the one area so far in the early access, and we kind of got through the first... The first floor. Know, first loop. Yeah, yeah, first floor of rooms, and then they just kind of seem to repeat, but harder. Uh, there's not there's not a ton there right now. I think you, it seems like... Unless unless there's, like, stuff locked behind, like, getting through that second run, which there there may be, but it mm. the difficulty ramp on that second floor <laughs> was so crazy, like... Like, we did not even get through the first room of the second floor both times we got to it. I think we I, did I, get through actually, the first room the second time, but then we got right, actually right. wiped on the you're second right. or third room yeah, after you're, that. You're right. We did get a little further the second time, but it was it, it got hard enough that it makes me think that, like, 
there's probably not other content behind they're that probably that trying be. to keep people from getting too much further than that yeah uh it's 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 decent like the look is i think the look is really successful like they yeah. really pull off mm-hmm. the games cartoon it's got film grain you know like all the anything that can move or be interacted with has got that really flat cell animated look to it just like a cartoon would while the textures on all the static level assets are like painting yeah type stuff so how have they not done one of these with gi joe yet they have tried doing gi joe games and but i mean one of these specifically uh like with this look this look with like you know like kind of the overwatch pve style like you know here's your your main set of characters here's their special abilities they're all on cooldowns like Give me my roadblock and my shipwreck and, you know, Lady J and just fucking go. Look, I'm I'm with you. I'm afraid that that window may have closed. That's unfortunate. It's called, it's called Rainbow Six. I'm afraid. Uh, yes, exactly. I'm afraid. I'm afraid the market for a G.I. Joe themed thing is shrinking. Maybe it's for the best. By the day. They, um, you know, I, I that not too, too long ago, they had that. I won't call it big release but they had a, a real release of the gi joe game and it just no i remember that sucked great yeah it just was not good and it it just was it they just i don't think they know what to do with hasbro has some problems with their licenses i mean transformers they keep trying to you could have just said hasbro has some go. problems and i would have you could have ended <laughs> the sentence right there uh but i think i think they're better off putting character special characters into something like a rainbow six that are gi joe inspired like that's probably the better move give a developer who knows what they're doing in this space and then make certain characters make a a, a destro and make uh um you know a duke mm-hmm. if you need to make a duke if you need some boring characters i guess i, I feel know. like it's probably it's snake it, it's like snake eyes lady J. Shipwreck and Duke probably Roadblock. Do you think Shipwreck makes the first cut, dude? People love Shipwreck. Yeah, I think yeah, so. What is Shipwreck doing though? The right, what are Shipwreck special abilities? <laughs> <laughs> the, the the can the parrot do something? Look, besides... I may have just watched the Springfield episode not that long ago. Uh, okay, I might have Shipwreck on the brain. What is? I don't have a problem with Shipwreck. I just don't know what Shipwreck. Shipwreck doesn't even have a boat. What is, what like, is Shipwreck's vibe? Like, what is his accent? Salty sailor. Salty. Okay. Like vaguely sure. pirate, like, like New but England. Modern. Yeah, sure. Like some deep main or something. I'm not really sure where that's coming from. I, I think, I think Roadblock, Duke, Lady J, Snake Eyes are your four. You're probably right. The, and and then you get uh, Baroness, Destro, Cobra Commander, and Storm Shadow probably on. The, you definitely the get Storm side. Shadow. You definitely get the Baroness. You definitely get Destro. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you do come a Cobra Commander. I want. I, wow. I feel like Cobra Commander wow. is like the final boss. Wow, in a PvP, I feel like you do PvE? Zartan, right? You like you like he oh. do the stealth abilities, like the, the no, disguise Zart- ability. Zart- Zartan is coming as a paid DLC okay. for the Marauders or whatever. Is it the Marauders? No, I, I the, feel like it's the Mar- oh, what the, the hell are they called? The the, the swamp, yeah, the swamp <laughs> guys, the swamp, the swamp folk, the des- the, the destroyers, Zartans. Something. Is it the twins? Do you play as two characters no, at once? That's no. Tomax and Zamot. Tomax and Zamot are like Zartan adjacent. Yeah. But I'm not sure exactly. Are you talking about the Dreadnoughts? The Dreadnoughts. Oh, I was spacing out. Yeah, no. The Dreadnoughts are the weird, like, the swamp-dwelling chainsaw guys with mullets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe there's like a 599. You can play as a bat or BAT. And then, you know, 
maybe there's I think you're just shooting vipers bat, bat yes. one or bat two bat one I never which one has the hologram I chance? never owned bat one I only had bat two and apparently everybody thinks bat one is the canonical bat bat one is definitely I mean, the G. one I think of it, and it makes me sad there are a lot of G.I. Joe Hasbro is putting out G.I. Joe figures a lot so they are mining that nostalgia uh, vein heavily but there isn't There's, like new gi joe them. or anything right like they stopped making those like that's uh was it the snake eyes movie i don't think did shit so i don't think anyone cares about it right now i don't know if there is new gi joe but they are definitely putting out classic gi joe there's like three or four toy lines i mean it's for it's for us it's not for kids it's for it's for the nostalgia yeah, that's 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 why i say you're never going to get your gi joe battlefield because there's no market for it because it's us all right look Fuck yeah. all that shit. Just give me my Silverhawks. Let's bring that back. Yeah, that's the one that's got the most uh, steam behind totally. it. Totally. Get going. No, look, that's the thing. Everyone's tired of G.I. Joe. They've gotten all the Transformers they need. Thundercats had its reboot. <laughs> Now's the time. It's untapped. Did Thundercats have a reboot? There was a there was a Cartoon Network reboot at one point. And I heard it actually wasn't bad. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. You know what they okay, we got maybe we're working our way through. Maybe Myth Force is starting in that D D, the cartoon yeah. era. It's definitely like early eighties we'll, cartoon. Yeah, so maybe maybe the next one, maybe we'll get like a gargoyles style game, uh, where it's that level of voice acting and animation. Man, if you're gonna uh, get like the, the Batman the animated series gargoyles style like early nineties yes. animation, I'm all about that. I'm yes, all about that's, that. I mean, it doesn't need to be a PV, uh, PVE or PVP game, no. but give me that kind of game. Uh, somebody tap into that level. You know, that's maybe Clay would be the ones to, to, oh, to sure. handle yeah. something around there. I could see it. Um, yeah, they've got the 2D animation chops. I, I just want to yeah. point out briefly that the Bat 2 also had a hologram on his chest. Oh, so okay. now which one is the canonical Bat? Is it is it red and or black and yellow? The hologram or the figure? The figure is it like black with the yellow trim no, and the it, silver it's, face. It's black with like orange. It's got like neon green trim and like okay, orange. Well that counts as yellow to me. Orange. Uh, it's very nineties. All right. Well, if we're doing hologram That's, chess toys as video games, it's time to bring back visionaries. Boy, you're just you're picking out all the all uh, the great ones. All the all the cheap licenses there. Uh, oh, this yeah, this bat looks weird. The face looks like a. Like a Casey Jones uh, hockey mask without the eyes cut mm-hmm. in. Um, the Bat One just has the uh, silver faceplate, right? The kind of like more Terminator looking one. That seems that that's what I recall. All right. Well, GI Joe. Yes, is not Myth Force. Myth Force is its own thing. Yeah, sorry, that's what we were talking about. Myth Force. I mean, Myth Force. Uh, Myth Force is basically the D and D cartoon. Yeah, like I'm. To be frank, I'm shocked that there is not a facsimile of that little unicorn yes, coming in later. Little later update. Yeah, like I, I, I will be shocked if they don't add something like that unicorn by the time this comes out for real. Um, yeah, I think neat conceptually, a little maybe surface level, and if you dig too deep, you hit hit the bottom there. Yeah. And it's, it's it's not it's not like too, I said. Maybe maybe keep right an now. eye on how the updates for that one shake out because it just feels like there isn't a whole lot there to mess with just yet. Uh, and this is put out by, um, made by Beamdog, the folks who did those um, Boulder's Gate ports for mobile and the kind of recent stuff there. And also put out by Aspire, who is recently recently picked up by somebody. They, they've been embraced for some time, like a, a year or two ago. Uh, early like, access over on the... Um, Epic Games yes. Embracer Group. Embracer Group just embracing by proxy now. 
Yeah, right. Embrace the spire the, who the, has embraced us. The all. embracer. I'm sorry, the embracee is now the embracer. Uh, if you want to check out more about that, you can see us play it in some three player, sometimes four player co-op, uh, on our stream. We did archive is up now. See it in motion. Check it out. I think it looks really cool. Yeah, it looks, it, it looks nice. They, they got that effect down well and like it plays well. Like I only played yeah. the, the melee character. It's, you know, it's, it's extreme warrior, rogue mage, uh, hunter, hunter, like bow character. It's extremely that, but it's good. Like the gameplay uh, is, it's pretty snappy. It feels yeah. good. Yeah, like the the first person combat feels pretty good. It's the abilities are cool. There's there's potential there. Yeah. It just needs more. It's it's got its He Man esque villain taunting you mm-hmm. from a, mm-hmm. atop a tower. Mm-hmm. All right. We're gonna take another break here and we'll be right back with some news. So stick around. We'll be back. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. (laughs) ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just use ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet, let's say. mm -hmm. What what are you doing on that vacation there? Hmm? I I had to access my GitHub account, Uh and I was doing some coding, and then I I used my ExpressVPN, and then VPNed into my home computer! Likely story. Uh Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's fast enough. That's what they all say. It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi. And they didn't know it. they didn't know a damn thing. It says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN expressvpn.com slash nextlander thanks expressvpn and we are back and of course it is time to hear all about the news in the video game world things are shaken it's the only news happening everything else is just totally chill and the rest of the world. Yes. That's, that's right. We got to get the most relevant to your lifestyle video game news. Mm-hmm. And, and there is some of it. Brad, what do we got? Uh, let's start with the biz here. Oh, I love the biz. Um, story has come out of a game developer, which was formerly known as, known as Gama Sutra. Okay. Took me a minute. Mm-hmm. Can this be the last time we say that out loud just so we never sure. have to say Gama Sutra again? <laughs> You just said it out loud again. I know, but I'm saying that this time, this is the bubble okay. we're in right now is the last time. Okay, fine. Right. They announced their name change some months ago, I think, but I guess they just flipped the name and the site design Long over. Overdue. So I was like, I was like, Oh, who is, who is this? Who is this inside source on game development? Uh, yes. Game developer is reporting that as part of the forthcoming PlayStation plus premium stuff that we've talked about, Sony's going to start requiring it, 
Any game that costs more than $34 at wholesale mm-hmm. to deliver a two-hour trial. Okay. Two subscribers. Two subscribers. Minus VR games, right? I think that was their caveat. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Although I'm not sure actually what the state of <laughs> VR even is, like kind of in this in-between before PSVR 2 comes out. I don't know if did you guys see that Moss apparently did not really move units at all. I did not see on, that news. On PSVR. I know they promote the Oculus version on their yeah, site so they, quite they a bit. Like, in, they instantly came. Well, this was before they had announced that, so they like instantly came out after that and said, hey, it's coming to Oculus. Mm. Also, mm. by the way. Please don't forget about this. Not a lot of PSVR games, I think, uh, being looked at these days. Anyway. Um, trials. Yes. Like, this is a pretty big burden. Apparently, developers like found out about this through the like PlayStation developer portal that it had not been messaged to them previously. Until oh, that's not good. All like, like new, new requirements just showed up in their development tools. Huh. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, delivering this kind of trial or demo is a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Alex, you've been on the inside of a developer. You might be able to speak to that more, but like, you, it's not hard to find developers talking about like the, extra burden in terms of resources and time that it adds to a development cycle to have to even mid development for like E3 to do any kind of like vertical slice or, or demo yeah. there, but also at the end, like to have to put something like this together along with getting your actual game out the door. is kind of a lot. It's not optimal. Um, here's the thing. I think demos and trials are great. They are consumer friendly. They're helpful in totally. a lot of ways. Absolutely. But yeah, from the development side of things, I totally understand what a pain in the ass they are. And especially if you are finding out about this, like kind of at the, like not even through official channels, it just sort of appears there. It's like, Oh, this is a new mandate. That's not a great way to find out about that. Right. I, yes. I, 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 yes, I will follow up. And I was going to come in here and say, Hey, remember when XBLA games all had to have demos, like yes. all of them, like that was awesome. Like, yeah, from like, the consumer gonna, side, perspective, it's amazing. Like, I'm not going to lie, like, being able to try out, like, every game on the service was incredible. Yeah. But, but that's extra work. Some, yes, there are, some, there are some downsides to that for sure. Um, I wonder if they'll, um, I wonder if there's anything on the development side that stuff like Unreal or Unity or even Sony can release that helps offload some of this, that wraps a portion of a game in a in an like quarantines a part of a game so you can't access other things in it because the the problem with demos i feel like today are people data mine demos for so much or they unlock stuff and so much stuff is online and there was a demo for i want to say one of the yakuza games or something a few years ago that ended up being you were downloading the full game actually that's what i mean like there i feel like there's so much risk involved because the cutting out and building a demo up it's probably so much work that trying to turn your full game into a demo without taking everything else out i feel it can be completely risky so maybe they can release something that it's they're saying two hour demos and who knows what that really means so maybe i mean you know that's that's also problematic for people who are shipping like short story-based games right like if if two hours is a large chunk of your short story-based game yeah are we going to wind up in a world where there's padding? There's a 45 minutes of padding at the front of a game, like people claim they used well, to do on. to get past the Steam thing. What was the what was the cutoff as far as like the dollar amount before it requires you to have this? 34, 34, so, 30, 34 at wholesale, which I, I I saw Matt Matt Piscatella, uh, an analyst on Twitter, was saying that's forty nine dollars retail. Okay, 
So here's the thing. The number of those games that we're talking about, the short, you know, story focused ones that are $49 or $34 at wholesale, probably not that high in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you're probably right. It's a weird cutoff, but I kind of, I guess I get it. Yeah. Uh, well, the two. Yes. Starting with a two hour time trial. Again, I wonder if they'll be able to put something in that ticks a clock that is people don't have to build bespoke things. Maybe they can wrap it in something. I don't know. It definitely the burden on the developer stinks to, to yeah. have to produce this. Also, whenever you don't have parity for something like Xbox also just makes it a sunk cost for being on that platform. So, yeah. you know, having to make this specifically to be on this platform sometimes can make it less appealing to say for Microsoft puts a chip in their pile that says, we don't have to build a fucking demo. If you're just going to come on us, like you just put it, put it up there. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I also like demos. I understand the problem with the development of them. I also understand the problem with, <laughs> People exploiting out about it this way. Well, finding out about this way, but but consumers exploiting demos in ways that made some of demos disappear. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll we'll see what happens. That in uh, North America, I believe that's summer for this PlayStation stuff. So right around when E3 would be it's June, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's June is when the those premium tiers are starting to roll out. We'll see. It's not a lot of time between now and then. No, I've got all if my. You're just getting this news and have to start planning for a trial yeah. as a developer. Yeah. See how this goes. I, I actually, I forgot to mention, it sounds like there might be some flexibility where you have like, yes, developers have up to three months after launch to deliver that time to trial. Mm. Okay. Of course, at that point, I mean, you've kind of missed your like richest sales window at that point. If you're waiting until three months after anyway. Yeah, man, that, that thing is going to take a little wrapping my head around those new tiers. Uh, what else we got? Man. Remember Diablo immortal kind of, no, I don't have a anybody, cell phone. <laughs> anybody? Oh, you don't. Interesting. <laughs> I guess you can, you're the only person on the planet who can't play Diablo immortal <laughs> because everybody, everybody else has a phone, right? Yeah. Diablo immortal is the cell phone is the mobile Diablo that caused such a stir at, I guess it was the last BlizzCon. That I think it was, was probably the last, last in-person BlizzCon. God, I feel, man. I feel like for a number of reasons, but yeah. Remember when BlizzCon was just an uncontroversial thing that happened every year? Uh, hardly, hardly because it has been so long. It has been anyway. So it's been long. so yes. fraught. Yes, there was there was that infamous moment. Diablo Immortal is the is the mobile Diablo that they rolled out, and people were not thrilled about various aspects of it, and they were somewhat dismissive about people's concerns. Well, now we're rolling up on release, and by the way, it's also coming to PC. Yeah. This story's weird. Brad, why is it coming it's, to PC? It's, this is probably the crazy, like, as much as much drong as there was around this reveal in the first place and all the anger from fans and stuff. Like, that alone was a mess. Nice for this to be the way this wrong, by the way, for, yes, for this, for this to be, for this to be the way this wraps up and for them to be so blunt about it is like, I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. In the end, the deciding factor was that we knew many of you would attempt to play this game through an emulator, <laughs> thus leading us towards building a better experience. I mean, like Android apps are, are absolutely trivial to play on or to run on PCs these days is what they're getting at. 
in case you don't know. Is the unspoken so, part of this also that we know Diablo 4 isn't coming soon and you people are ravenous, so here you that go? Is, that is also a distinct possibility. That there is absolutely also an, perhaps an unspoken aspect of we got to get something Diablo out on the PC. Um, I mean, it sounds like they're doing, you know, they're doing all the work. It'll have like mouse and keyboard and controller uh, options. But like they're they're reworking the UI to, to look right on a PC. Like they, they, they say they are making it a full PC experience, but it's just like, what a bizarre about face at the very tail end of this, this messy situation. Is there, is there anything in here that says if you buy it once you get it on both platforms or are you going to, I don't, I didn't see anything about that. There is cross play or cross progression. Hmm. Yes. Cross play and cross progression. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any kind of cross buy situation. So it could also just be them trying to tap that market that they know are going to emulate it anyway. Uh, and yeah, say, I mean, I, I assume that probably gives them better options to monetize. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people can just like get free stuff with blue stacks or whatever, but, um, <laughs> you know, it lets them at least control the experience better. I, I should point out it is coming out on mobile and going into beta on PC at the same time. So it's not really a simultaneous launch exactly. Uh, but yes, Gosh, they backpedaled. They backpedaled. It's truly amazing. And there's your Activision update. Yeah, I don't even know what else <laughs> to say. A, I don't it's know. It's just like, okay, after all that that hullabaloo, here we go. It's it's yeah. It's wild. I don't know. It's, it's also like maybe the most mild Activision Blizzard story we've covered I, I in was, a very long time. I was kind of thinking that over in my head and trying to think about how I felt about that of like, you know, Th- these are at least this is a video game story and so it's just hard to it's hard to know what's going on behind any of these doors at this point and what kind yeah. of decisions are being made there's I mean, so much that overwatch 2 beta is out you know like right. people are, are playing that thing now like there's a lot there's kind of a lot going on with blizzard lately like they just announced that new wow expansion a week or two ago and like yes people are out there excited about these new blizzard products in large numbers you know it's kind mm-hmm. of strange to watch like at a certain point, you have to remind yourself, like, oh right, things are like completely effed with that company. Oh, don't worry, the <laughs> and, shareholders and, are voting on that merger soon. So, yeah, and and yet everybody on my Twitter feed is just talking about all these new games that they're announcing. It's it's wild. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Diablo Immortal, not not just on your phone anymore. It's on no. your computer. I don't know if open beta means you can just go get it or not. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what the date is for that. Anyway, yeah, Diablo. Diablo. What do we got next? Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, we, I knew this day would come. They, I, I passed on talking about Sonic Origins last week. They're making Sonic Origins. It's the first four. Actually, it's more than that. It's quite a bit. It is the first four uh, games, but... Right. I want to I I say there's some other stuff in there. There anyway, is the reason I dread. The reason I dredged it up is that they are now delisting all other versions of those first four games from essentially every platform they're available on. And it's like, all right, come on. This sucks. <laughs> it does. Now I'm going to bring this up. It's also the least surprising thing in the world, but it does suck. Yeah. Um, they do. They do point out like Sega ages is going to remain available on the switch and you will be able to get Sonic one and two there. Uh, and instead of switch online, we'll continue to carry Sonic the Hedgehog two for the foreseeable future. But they are like pulling them. Those games are available on Steam. Like there's a ton of Genesis games you can get on Steam right now, and all of those games will go away. How are uh, those versions? 
I've never messed with those. I don't actually know. I, okay. I, I meant to download one of them and see if it's the situation where there's just like a Genesis ROM hanging out in the install directory. Yeah. Which definitely happens with stuff like that quite a bit. Um, you know, like if you're into preservation and kind of official releases of things, like you can say like, okay, this is, this is an official dump of Sonic the Hedgehog by Sega because they sold it for money. Right. Right. Uh, if that is the case, but, um, yeah, it's a bummer. Anyway, I mean, Sonic, Sonic Origins is like the you know, kind of your standard, like, gussied up collection of retro games with like a fancy wrapper and special features and stuff like that. But, you know, not guaranteed to be ideal versions of the game. There's always something like Frank Cifaldi is quoted in this Kotaku story. He, he was out on Twitter just saying like, hey, like guaranteed something is not going to be right with these new versions of this game that they put out. Right. And yet the old versions, which were perfectly fine, will no longer be available. That sucks. And I can't disagree. <laughs> um, also, the PC version is going to have Denuvo in it, which, like, come on, man. They're still using just, that? Just come on. Yeah. Some oh, people man. are. Yeah. Huh. Not, not, not the most uh, popular. Of, I mean, <laughs> I guess I wouldn't say any anti-piracy middleware is popular. Yeah. Yeah. But some is more some, reviled than others. Yes, exactly. Denuvo not... Not well looked upon. I thought that stuff gets so much flack that people have shied away from it. I mean, I feel like the Japanese um, publishers have never shied away from that stuff. I mean, games will frequently remove it after some period of time. That may actually be some contractual or like licensing fee thing of like, oh, we only paid for the first year. I have no idea. Mm. It was Doom uh, that you, took it out, right? I think so. I think they did. I think some other games have as well. Well, pe- people still launch with it pretty frequently. Uh, when can you get can you get your stuff now? Get your Sonics now? Yeah, those those games are still out. Let's see. They listed a date that I don't have in front of me. I believe it's in May sometime. When is that okay. Origins collection out? Uh, June. Okay. Late June. So uh, May twentieth. That. Yes, May twentieth is when they're delisting all these old versions. So, okay. if you want to own any digital re-releases of Sonic the Hedgehog, go out and get them now. <laughs> Public service announcement for you. Um. All right. Next story here. Hey, you want to? I like um, a good story with a table in it. <laughs> what you want to? Y'all want? Hey, y'all want to go play some America's Army on the Xbox 360? Ah! No. Ah! Do you want to? Do you want to go do some Assassin's Creed Brotherhood multiplayer on on live? Okay. Yes. Ah! I, I have bad bad news for you. Oh. What do we got going on? You no longer can do that. This is a file this under Tales from our digital future, right? Our digital now. Right, it's like right there with the right there with the Sonic stuff. Yeah, uh, actually, in terms of digital stuff, just go, man. It feels like there's just a, like a flood of stories like this lately. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, it was those um, it was those PlayStation classics on PSN failing to launch for a bunch of people. Remember that's that right. Yeah, the weird expired thing. A couple three weeks ago, when people couldn't play those games, like they ever like, fix that. <laughs> I don't know. At least okay. not that I saw. At least at the that time that we talked about it, unintentional. Yeah, but yeah, that seemed like a bug. But that, at the time we talked about it, it had not been fixed. I'm not sure. Uh, this is very intentional on the part of Ubisoft, though, because it's like, what is it? Like 90 games? I want to say was the number. I did that. They're shutting down the the pretty the close to it. Table in this thing does not have a numbers column on it, but it's a it, lot of it games, scrolls man. for a while. It is a lot of games that Ubisoft is cutting all online functionality from entirely. Yeah, huh. uh, it's like multiplayer features for a lot of them, but it's also stuff like oh, you can no longer unlock or access like digital unlock content that you had before. 
Well, you like, can't even access it? They refer to it as ULC, or unlockable content. On PC, ULC will no longer be available even if it has been redeemed previously. On console, the ULC will continue to be available unless you reset your saved game files. I mean, oh, that sucks. Th- their line yes. in this story, which is bananas to me, is rewards can still be unlocked. However, you will not be able to receive them in game. Which yeah, is it's, <laughs> which that is like sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Yes, it's a mess. That I wicked mean, sucks. And like that's so super confusing already because they've already done like transitions uh, on their back end from you know from UPlay to what do they call it Ubisoft Connect now? Even yeah, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Like, there's already confusing stuff going on with like the rewards stuff you could rack up anyway, and now a lot of it is just going away. Yeah, um, so I, I mean that's I think that's a lot of that Ubisoft Connect stuff. I don't know if you're playing like uh, you know Raymond Rayman if you're not going to be able to Raymond Raymond. <laughs> Everyone uh, loves Raymond of, of Raymond. Uh, I don't think that means like, hey, you unlock a skin and you can't get it. It's you know, right. it's that stuff that's like, hey, I just bought this thing with my UB points, my Sam Fisher goggles for. Uh, but uh, also that blows because that stuff is baked into a lot of those games, right? Yeah, yeah. and like you know, a lot of the stuff on this list is like, okay, yes, that's an eight-year-old Just Dance game. I guess I understand. Sure, but like you know, there's like um, Far Cry One and Two and Blood Dragon are on here. Mm-hmm. Um. Wow, Haze is on here. Oh my. Hawks and Hawks too, and Haze. Yes, uh, Haze is no longer my religion. Uh, <laughs> like a you know Rainbow Six Vegas and Vegas Two, a bunch of Rayman games. Uh, God, Rainbow a whole Six bunch of Vegas. That is a word I have not heard in a long time. Yes, uh, Splinter Cell, Smurfs Two, multiple Splinter Cells. You know, like yeah. this is kind of a lot of Ubisoft history going away here. I wonder if there's um, I wonder if they're going to be shaking stuff up. Okay. There was a story we declined to talk about because it seemed like it was still in if it's if it seemed it's still very speculative bump, bumping around about Ubisoft maybe being on everything is always potentially being sold right but there's some yeah, scuttlebutt going but around. like they might be preparing for that yeah I wonder in a world where everybody's looking at their books tying up all their loose ends getting everything ready having their next thing big thing in the meta if these are if there's a list of games here that use some kind of legacy thing or have some kind of um, thing that needs to be turned off before they switch over to something else, right? Like, yeah. hey, hey, we're going to move this, we're moving Ubisoft Connect or whatever it is to something else. These games will no longer fun- function properly properly because they hook in in a way that um, we cannot uh, support. Yeah. Uh, or the or the accounting is bad and we're trying to sew up our books and we did not track whatever the things are if in this game. If you told me the accounting <laughs> was bad, general blanket over yeah. there, I would probably believe that. Because some of this stuff the hooks into the back end. If you're leaving the back end going, I'm not sure exactly what, like why the connect stuff needs to come out. I understand more about like, Hey, you're not running servers for some of these things, but yeah, some of these things are not online games. I, I don't know. I would, the know? thing like, is again, if it's tied into any of that Ubisoft connect stuff, yeah, right. any of the, 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 yeah, the any, any of those, any of those unlockables those go through bucks some, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right, some authentication. Yeah, so like maybe maybe people sitting on those U bucks waiting to get your cool goggles or whatever in I don't know ruse or something. The internet uh, was a mistake. We never should have made games online. Man, I'll never be able to load that save uh, for Avatar for the 360 again. <laughs> oh, don't worry, they'll re-release it when the new movies come out in uh, 35 years. Can't wait to see Avatar two at 360 frames a second. God. Or whatever it was. They I think they said 144, but yeah, Jesus. 
It's a wait. Did you say one forty four? One forty or something? I, I was know. I was totally exaggerating. Are they seriously? They, there was did, some they, story going around. I don't remember exact the exact nature of it, but they said it was basically going to run at every possible resolution and frame rate that you could do for a movie. Dude, I really want to know what they shot that in now. I, it uh, sounded like bullshit to me, but I it, everything around Avatar sounds like bullshit to me, so I cannot tell you. They shot they shot at least parts of Avatar two at 120 frames a second. Jesus, I, I am seeing here the slow motion bits. Hey, remember Avatar? I'm trying not to. I cannot believe there's going to be another Avatar movie. Dude, there's going to be four of them apparently. Oh, I know that. I know. Oh, I know. Trust me, I know. Ugh. Beyond Good and Evil is on this list. Yeah, I, I saw that. I started to mention it, but I believe that's that re-release that was on XBLA or oh, okay. download. It's not. I mean, because you know the original was a GameCube PS2 era game, well, what? and not but online anyway. They did put out a. I, I, they might have even called it Beyond Good and Evil HD. I'm not sure, but it had hooks in it for. Dude, everything from that from that era did in mm. some way. Yeah, I mean, it, it might. This could be just anything that hooked into their UPlay framework at all. Scrabble 2007. Scrabble 2007. Scrabble 2007. What was it getting online to do in 2007? Hmm. Invent new letters. <laughs> what were you downloading for Scrabble 2007 as part of your? We've I added mean, a new letter. Grib. <laughs> Oh man, Sloot. I just, I just have to say, no Uno on this list, and none of the Grow Home games, so I'm covered. Okay, I'm, yeah, you're good. I'm good. I'm good. Although the the Ubisoft Uno is not the Uno. Mm. There's only one Uno, and you know which one it is. All right. Well, that's a weird one. Uh, Ubisoft. Maybe we'll have more Ubisoft news in the near future. Who knows? It is. Yeah. Uh, maybe. 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 Uh, I don't know. That's a weird one to talk about, though, because it's like, you know, when Microsoft buys Activision, you can say like, oh, that's a video game buying company buying another video game company. Like there are strategic possibilities here that we can suss out when it's just private equity coming in and taking over a company at that point. It's like, who knows? Yeah, all we can do is speculate on will the worst private equity company (sighs) take it or the second worst one? I I don't know what is going on inside that nefarious financial black box, but it's probably not good. Yeah, there's a good there's a probably a very raucous Ubisoft because they've had financial stuff and we'll, we'll I'll save it for when we have to talk so about their entire story. leadership to, with the exception of Eve has largely turned over. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've had, but you remember had, all the buyout like, stuff and yes, and it's, it's just been the Vendi stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There was a hostile takeover stuff from some years ago. Um, so yeah, well, I'm sure the, the, the reports are being written now probably to do all the research and get those stories ready. Uh, Brad, what's going on with um, Metal Gear and Death Stranding? Let Yoji Shinkawa make a car. I agree. Is that the new story? That's the story. Okay. One day I would like to design a car, a real car. This has been a long-held ambition for me. That's what he told Edge. God, yes. Please, anyone, let him do this. That is what I'm here to say, yes. Uh, For people who don't know, um, the good art. Long time. Yeah. Long time uh, concept designer for Hideo Kojima's games did basically all of the Metal Gear games. Death Stranding, Zoe as well. Did he do? I'm pretty sure he did Zoe. I assume that means he did the vehicle design in Death Stranding. Uh, for uh, almost certainly, yeah. I mean, he's designed all the Metal Gears. Like all the concept art of basically all those Metal Gear games is him. I like, love it. Extremely, extremely identifiable style. Obviously, very into heavy industrial shit. Yes. 
That's why I say let Yoji Shinkawa make a car. Fuck yes. It I, reacted we'll this, have, I reacted this roughly will, the same way I would react if someone said David Cronenberg wanted to make a car. Like, yes, yes. I, I don't care. I want to see what that looks well, like. Yeah, much, much as Cronenberg's car would have a bunch of orifices on it. Yes. Shinkawa's car will have legs. Yes. Yeah, and when you push I'm a button, confident. it's going to poop in the middle. Of, it's going to like spit out its I, like fluid in the I, middle. And it's going to look cool as shit. I am, I am confident that his car will have legs and nuclear warheads. Yeah. Also, it's going to be, you know, inscrutable on like, you know, what, what I, the manual that comes with this says I have to go drive to a sign and scan a codec for I don't understand anything about Toyota this Supra. <laughs> you got to sit in it and be like, I see you've been driving a Prius. Dodge Durango. <laughs> Again, design different than storytelling, but the jokes yes, are right there. Yes, um, but I want this to happen. Some car company, ideally not Tesla, some car <laughs> company let this man do this. Uh, the news. Yeah, it's the news. Everything uh, is the news. All right, uh, let's get into the real news here. Yes, the biggest news. All right, last the, the movie block. This is Miyamoto. This is Miyamoto. Reads the tweet. This is Miyamoto comes from Nintendo of America's Twitter account. Do you think he actually typed this? No. I'm going to say no. I think he dictated it to someone. I think you're exactly right. They have delayed the Mario movie. Oh. This is Miyamoto after consulting with Chris Son, my partner at Illumination on the Super Mario... This was maybe not super well thought out. I'm pretty the, sure they Google translated this and did the bare minimum. Ca- uh, yeah, you're probably you're probably right. But given given the casting of Chris Pratt in this movie, this led to a lot of confusion. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people thought he was talking about Chris Pratt and not. I uh, forget the uh, got the name. Chris Melodon Chris Melodondry. Okay. I believe at Illumination is who he's actually talking about here, not Chris Pratt. I also assumed he was talking about Chris Pratt, so this is good yes. to know. My partner at Illumination, we decided to move the global release to spring 2023, April 28th in Japan and April 7th in North America. My deepest apologies, but I promise it will be well worth the wait. I mean, here's the thing. They're moving it into the window that the recent Sonic films, which we'll get to in a second, uh, have have enjoyed tremendous success. So I kind of don't blame them for this. Hmm. Hmm, I say. Hmm. There hasn't been anything else that has come out about this movie, right? Like trailers no. or... Okay. They haven't, haven't even teased it. it yet, really. We haven't heard the real voice yet. That's not the voice. No. We haven't heard the real voice yet. Yeah, the real voice we're all waiting for. Keegan-Michael Key's Toad. Yes. <laughs> You're not Correct. wrong. Correct. Um, okay. Well... This is Miyamoto. This is... <laughs> it, it read like a hostage statement. Incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. This is like... Look... There is some hot bullshit going on with Twitter right now. Yeah. But occasionally, some very good work is done on Twitter. Occasionally, something very fun comes through like this. This is one of those. What's our last story here? (sighs) Oh, why are you sad about this? Dude. I am not ready for Sonic the Hedgehog to enjoy this level of genuine cultural cachet. Okay. All right. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is now the highest grossing video game movie in the history of the United States. That's fantastic. I can't say that surprises me. There have not been any good video game movies, so... And there still haven't been, but here's the thing. They're probably among the best we've gotten so far. I haven't seen the second one. I haven't seen the second one. But people seem to like it. 
I just, I am not ready for Sonic the Hedgehog to be this big of a cultural force. I know. It feels weird. I don't know what to do with this. How much did it make, Brad? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's still pretty new, so obviously yeah. climbing. It is currently at 100, and, well, as of the time of this announcement, 146 million. Which is just above, I think, what the uh, the first one made. Yes. That's pretty good. <clears throat> what are the other movies on that list? Is Detective Pikachu. It's the original Tomb Raider movie, 2001. Yeah, I was surprised to see. I mean, that's 20 years old. I was surprised to see that in the top five still. Uncharted, also right up there. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, I'm not surprised by the Tomb Raider one just because that was one of the first real blockbuster attempts at doing that shit. Oh, so that it's wasn't Angelina just like a Jolie. weird curiosity. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of hype around that movie, to be fair. And it was bad, but also it was the kind of bad that would make a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, also, to be fair, like, you know, south of $150 million is not, like, a lot in 2022 blockbuster terms at all. No. When, you know, when we're talking on the order of a billion dollars for a lot of the Marvel movies, but... But I'm guessing with international, like, that movie will probably touch the half million or half billion mark. Sonic is not going anywhere, I think, is is the upshot here. Uh, That's a lot of money, though. It is. And it caused me to think about some things as I was looking Uh at those numbers. Oh? I think it's time to play a little game. Uh, Okay. Oh? Yes. Boys, how do you feel about trying to guess how much money video game movies have made over the years? I have no concept of of where these things land, but I am always up for a fun game that involves movies and video games. And numbers. I would love to just hear a recounting of video game movies that exist. All right. Well, here's the game we're going to play, folks. Okay. I have uh, I have accrued uh, a list of uh, uh, most of the biggest video game movies. I kept some of the, the lower sequels and other things that did not really release in the United States off this list. Um... But here's how we're going to play. Okay. I have the budget, the domestic gross, and the international numbers for everything in front of me. Okay. I will give you the budget. You will guess, <laughs> roughly, what you think it made in the United States. Gross. Domestic gross. Domestic gross. It will be uh, Price is Right rules. Okay. Closest guess without going over gets two points. Okay. And at, the, at the end of each one of these, you will also guess... Whether or not the international numbers brought it to profit- profitability or, you know, in general, like, whether it, it was a big... So in the, it end, it, it, in the end, if it, were, it, if it was not profitable already, yeah. did, it, did it help? So for, all, for some movies that are beat the budget... Yeah, then, some of them already be... beat the budget, so it yeah. won't really matter, but it'll just okay. be a fun guess regardless. Okay. All right, so uh, how, uh, we'll just That'll switch That'll be one you. point if you guess that correctly. Okay, and we'll we'll just switch who goes first? Yes, and so I'm, well, the thing, yeah, that's the thing is like, it's not a buzzer. You can just, uh-huh. both, you're, both of you are going to have guesses. Okay. And yes, we'll go back and forth on who guesses first. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of warm-ups here because I have two big ones that do not have any international numbers. This is all, of course, according to Box Office Mojo, which okay. is kind of the only reliable reporting you can get on this stuff. Um, the Super Mario Brothers film. The first of the big video game movies. Okay. The Bob Hoskins. Yes. Hmm. Budget of $48 million. That's a lot. Okay. Hmm. What do you think it made in the United States? Who are you asking for? These don't count, by the way. These these two are just warm up. Okay. I'm going to say... Man, 32. All right. Brad says 32. Vinny, what do you got? I'm going to say... 48, you said, was the, the budget? 48 was the budget. 
I'm gonna say it made twenty million. Yeah, Vinny went too high. Vinny wins. It is twenty point nine million. Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. Dang. Great. The other yeah. one here. Last warm up question. Double Dragon. Oh boy. Wow. With a budget of seven point eight million dollars. Okay, that's saw, fair. That's fair. Saw some, what of Mark Dacascos's great shames? Oh, I know. I know what it was. It was the Streets of Rage movie being teased. Yeah. Some stills from the Double Dragon movie were going around, and holy crap. Yeah, that thing's a real piece of work. Uh, who's even the name in that? Mark Dacascos and Robert Patrick. Like, those are the biggest names? Yes. And Patrick is the villain, right? Yes. Man. Budget uh, of wow. $7 million, huh? How much do you think it made in the United States? Mm, Vinny, you're eight. up first. Okay. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I withdraw. I say 2.5. Okay, Brett. Dang. Uh, I'm going to stick with eight. You're both wrong. No one gets the points because you both no went over. No way. It's 2.3 no million. Oh, I was, I was so close. You were okay. close. Wow. All right. All right. Wow. All right. I'm not going right. to go down to the dollar amount here, but like the two point is basically okay. where I'm going. All right. All right. The competition now officially begins. Whew. All right. I've mostly ordered these in order of budget, but there are a few that I've grouped together because of franchise. So here we go. Okay. How many are there total? Uh, ish? Uh, I got like 20 questions. All right. I'm ready. All right. Mortal Kombat 1995. Budget of $20 million. What did it make in the United States? Brad, you start. It. Okay. Hmm. I feel like I am chronically guessing high here, but I, I that was a, a medium-sized phenomenon. I'm going to say 50. Okay. Mm, that's probably too high domestic right domestic i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 32 brad wins oh wow it is 70.4 million dollars in the united states this one will not have a bonus because it already well well beat its budget uh but it also made 50 another 51 internationally okay i mean i think there is an argument that that is the best video game movie i would agree with that Still. An argument. I mean, I'm not saying it's like a lock, but it's up there for sure. One that is definitively not the best video game movie is the next one, Mortal Kombat 2021. Uh, oh. Oh. Mm. I thought you were going to say Annihilation. I didn't bother with Annihilation because <laughs> that thing was just a failure all around. So, <laughs> Holy Christ. I, I, man. Uh, so 2021, the budget was $55 million in 2021 dollars. How do you think that did in the United States? This is box office? This is box office. I mean, that one's... Vinny's up first. first on this one. Okay. Uh, yes, there is pandemic numbers to consider here as well. Okay, so this doesn't count streaming? I guess This you is just right? box office. All yes. right, boy, then I'm going to say... I'm going to say 20. 20. Vinny says $20 million. Hmm. Yeah, because this, this was also in that window where it went straight to HBO, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. At release... Um, hmm, 20 is a pretty good guess. 19. Vinny wins. Well, is it? It is 42.3 million. Ooh, good for it. Wow. So still not enough to make back its budget, though. Yeah, I mean, that's actually, it's not great in modern terms, but it's more than I would have expected. Bonus question. Did International bring it, make it up? Sorry, what was the budget again? Budget was 55. Hmm. So it needs thirteen point thirteen million to overtake. That seems impossible that it did not eke that out. I agree internationally. I would, I would so we have that. yes on both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are both correct. Okay. All right. Ratchet and Clank, twenty sixteen. Oh 
Mm-hmm. See, this is why I just wanted to hear a list of movies. I completely forgot they made a movie out of that. Budget of $20 million. Man, movies are expensive. What did it do? Hmm. I'm going to say... Wait, who's up? Me? Yes, you're up. The fact that, as far as I know, they did not make another one, did they? Not yet. Okay, of course it wasn't that long ago. Oh, man. 40? 40. Brad says 40 million. Vinny, what do you got? I'm going to say it didn't do so hot. I'm going to say 30. You are both... No one gets the points. You both went over. It made $8.8 million. Woof. What? Woof. I, I guess Jeez. I should, all right, here's what I'm starting to think. If, it, if there was a sequel, it probably made money because the people would just pump out a sequel. That's what I'm going to go with now. All right. Is there a, uh, is there a Did follow-up? the international bring it to profitability? <laughs> yeah, there's a $12 million dollar gap to make. Probably I'm gonna, not. I'm going to say Ratchet is big somewhere. I'm going I'm to go yes. Okay, Vinny says yes. Brad says no. Brad is correct. Okay. It only made 4.5 internationally. Ah, okay. Mm. I right. guess, man. I guess, like, I, I guess Ratchet is not... Again. I guess I guess Ratchet is not big with kids so much as it's big with people who were kids when Ratchet started. I did say I, I did finally sit down to watch that movie not that long ago. It's okay. Hmm. I just look at the cast. There's like it's it's got a cast. Yeah, it's all right. People in it. Stallone is in it. John Goodman is in it. All right. Next one. Timothy Oliphant's Hitman. Oh, oh man. Boy. Oh man. Budget of twenty four million dollars. Uh huh. How to do? Uh, 24 million. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to go with a nice 10. Then he says 10 million. I'm going to say like a seven. You are both. Okay. Vinny wins because he, you, neither of you went over, but, uh, it did way better than either of you thought it would. What? Oh, it made 39.6 million. Jeez. Whoa. Domestically. Okay, that's, Wait, that's was there some, a sequel to that? Something. Yes, it would, that, that I did not include because no one Damn fucking it. cared about I, that movie. I just got to do my own rule, which is if there's a sequel, it beat the, it beat the budget. Okay. There was a sequel, yes. And it made, I, I'm not doing a, a bonus on this one because it is, uh, it, it, it already was profitable. Yes. It made another okay. 61 and internationally. Whoa. I was basing that entirely on all the shit that Timothy Oliphant has talked <laughs> about that movie yeah. subsequently. Oh, it's a bad movie. Assuming, Don't get me wrong. assumed it was a disaster, but maybe not. Of course, right. he also was talking about it in the context of, like, yeah, I needed to get paid, so... Yeah. All right, here's a goofy one. DOA, Dead or Alive. God. Allegedly, this movie cost $30 million to make. That is what, that is what Wikipedia says. Like, Box Office Mojo doesn't even have a budget listed for it, so... I, I, I'm having to resist Googling these because I don't want to, like, see the number, but, like, I'm some of these... I can't even call to mind, like, who was in that? Uh, I believe Kevin Nash and Eric Roberts were the biggest stars of that movie. <laughs> and I think also wow. Devin Aoki. Wow. Yeah. Was that, like, an early 2000s? That like, sounds 2005, like that's the, I think? Yeah, okay, that sounds like exactly the window for something of that questionable nature. Yeah. Um, $30 million. What do you think it made? Hmm. In the United States. Who's up first? Uh, sorry, I, I lost. You are, Brad. Brad. Yeah, you are up. Man. Um. 12. Brad says 12 million. I say six. You both went over. Wow. It made $480,000 in the United States. Oh my gosh. Do you think it made its money back internationally? Holy shit. That's amazing. I'm going to say no. Brad? No, absolutely not. 
No, not even close. It uh, yeah. it only made seven million internationally. So that whole thing made about seven point five million. It's not one of those Man. like uh, uh, state was this a tax movies? dodge? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, that definitely was a theatrical release, right? It, it was apparently not, was. Yes, it was not direct video. Somehow it did make some theaters. Man, that's <laughs> rough. Street Fighter the movie. Okay. Hmm. What's the budget? Now we're in flavor country. Yeah. $35 million budget. Okay. I'm going to say that movie. Now there's, I'm going to go with my rule and we did not see a street fighter, the movie sequel, but also Raul Julia passed away. That's right. So His final role. It could be, it could be that, but I'm going to say it wasn't. And I'm going to say that movie made $12 million. Okay. Brad. Mm. Oh gosh. Oh, uh. Street Fighter was huge back then. Yeah. What was the year it came out? 93? Wow. Four? Uh, I'm going to say like 25. Brad is closest. Oh, what Neither was it? you went over. It made 33.4 million. Ooh. So it was just off its budget. Ooh, okay. So Brad takes the two points there. Do you think International made up for it? Yes. What was the budget again? It was 35. 35. It would literally have yeah. to make a million yeah. and a half oh, dollars. Okay. Yes. Yes. It absolutely. super did. It made 66 yeah. internationally. Wow. Okay. wow. You both get the bonus point. Great. All right. I could use you guys it. having fun with this? You want to keep going? Yeah, keep sure. going. All right. Let's here go. we go. Resident Evil. Oh, man. Okay. The first one. The first one. We're, almost, we're only going to do two Resident Evil movies here okay. because there's too goddamn many of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Resident Evil, the first. Budget of $33 million. What did it do? Uh, Brad, you're up first. Um, I'm going to say a hundred. Brad says a hundred, hundred million domestic. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 65. You both went over. So no points. Wow. It did. It did make a profit. It was 40.1 million. Oh my gosh. For the amount they were chewing those up. I thought they were printing cash. Well, internationally, it also made another 62. So it did very well. Okay. In the end. Huh? They made like what? Five of them now? Six. Six of that line. And then they just did another reboot recently, which I did not include here. But so the next one is Resident Evil, the final chapter, which is the last of the Mila Jovovich films, Uh the Paul W.S. Anderson Septilogy, whatever six <laughs> movies would be. Okay. Budget our, of Sorry, yeah. go ahead. I was gonna say what our budget go up to here. Forty million. Okay. And what was the release year? Two thousand sixteen, I believe. Huh. Okay. It's the final one. People want to uh, know what's going on here. Let's see, who's up? It is Vinny. I'm gonna say this one made sixty. Then he says 60 million. Hmm. I'm going to say 80. You are both way over. Way <laughs> over. <laughs> we suck wow. at this. this 26.8 million. Oh, oh, that's rough business. Right. Now, here's the question Did it make it yeah. up internationally? Oh, it's got to pull in an extra 40. I'm going to say and no. Yes. It's got to make it pull in 14. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I think so. You're so right. It's the most right you've ever been in your life. It made $285 million internationally. Wow. Oh, that's why they kept making those. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now Sorry. I get it. That's, oh my gosh, that is... It's incredible, right? It's, this now is, I get it. This is impossible, but yes. Okay. Max Payne. Mark Wahlberg's Max Payne. $35 million budget, somehow. 
Hmm. What did it do, Brad? Twenty-five of that was Mark Wahlberg's salary, <laughs> probably. Um, gosh, what year was that? Oh god, that was like two thousand thirteen. I bet hmm. fourteen. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say seventy-five. Brad says seventy-five. That might that might be too high. I say one million. One million. Oh, there's yeah. there's our one dollar. Yeah, uh, you it, and unfortunately, Vinny is correct on this one. <laughs> so it, it did it did turn a profit. It made forty million. Forty point six. Okay, I thought I thought the Mark Wahlberg factor would really bump that up. You know, that was it's a garbage nothing, movie. Nothing bumped that movie up. It did double that money internationally, so no need to to worry about that one for a bonus. But yeah, that's a bad movie. Okay, here's a better movie. Here's one that okay. is one of the few, like, you could almost call this good video game movies. Silent Hill. Man, I forgot they made that. Yes, they made two of them, actually. But we're not talking about the sequel. We're talking about the first one here. $50 million budget. Damn, that's bold. Oh, we're moving yeah, up here, man. That yeah, was yeah. a bet that they placed. We got some CG now. Um, Who's up? All it's, right, uh, I think it's me, right? Let me double check. Yes, it I is Vinny. So they made a sequel, so I'm going to say turn to profit. So, but I'm going to say snuck by. I'm going to say fifty five. Vinny says fifty five. Hmm. I'm going to say made a profit fifty five, but then killed it internationally. I'm going to say twenty five. Brad is closer. It didn't make a profit. Vin- well, no, not domestically. Okay. It well, made forty six point yes. <laughs> nine million dollars. Hmm. So okay. Brad gets the points there. Did international make up for it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You already said yes. I, I, yes, definitely. Yes, you're correct. It, it made another 50 okay. internationally. So right now, Brad has a one point lead. Really? Yes. Damn. I, Coming down to it. Math, it's questions. I'm, hey. I'm just kidding. I wrote down all these numbers, all right? I feel like, no, I feel like, no, I feel like I'm losing by a large margin. No, no, it's, it's pretty If you close. had asked me what the margin was, I would have said 10 points. Okay. Oh, the margin's going to get crazy from here, my friends. Okay. Doom. Oh, man. The, which, the, uh, the, the, rock? the rock one. The, the rock, rock and one. Carl Urban one. Carl okay. Urban one. $60 million budget. Oof, yeah, okay. What did it make I, here in the U.S.? I think, Brad, you're up. Yes. 49. Brad says 49. That's a good guess. Um, I'm gonna, you know, that thing had hype. It did. That thing did have hype. Unjustified, but it did have it. Gosh, 49 is good. That's a good guess. I'm just, tr- I'm, I'm debating in my head whether I go slightly over or slightly under. Um, they did not make a sequel. I'm gonna say it lost money. They did actually make another Doom movie, but it was direct to video and it was very recently, so it was a long gap. Yeah, I think it's. Like totally unrelated, right? Yes, it is. I'm gonna say it's made its money back. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say six. I'll say the sixty million and say it just made its money back because you said the budget was sixty. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna say the sixty million. You fools! Whoa! <laughs> Didn't even get Jeez. close. Twenty-eight point two million. Oh man! Oh wow! Now did yes. international bring it back? Could the I power of the so. rock, international rock, save this one? I'm I gonna think say, yes. I'm gonna say no. Vinny is correct. <laughs> what is 29 do? million internationally Ooh, it's close yeah it basically got to like 57 58 yeah that's close that's hey somebody was happy to have that hey we only lost three million on the whole yeah. thing i got to hang out with the rock all right we got a handful more of these you're now tied at points oh wow okay monster hunter 
domestic. Now this is U.S. domestic. U.S. domestic. It made sixty million, or it was a budget of sixty million dollars. I go first. Yes, because I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say ten, I'm gonna say ten million domestic in the states. Okay. Nobody gives a shit about Monster Hunter here in the states. Not the proportional amount. Yeah. I should say some no. people really do care about Monster Hunter in the states. Ten million. Before he made his guess, I was thinking eight, so I'm going to go with eight. Vinny is closer. Neither of you went over. It made hmm. 15.1 million here in the United okay. States. Okay. okay. I now, thought... Now, this is a fun question. Didn't it get pulled? I thought that, that got pulled from theaters, right? I don't know if it got pulled, but it definitely it came out in 2020. So it was pandemic there was like, year. There was, there, there was con- well, there was also there was controversy around that movie. I think they re-edited the thing, whatever the thing was. Hmm. Okay, so now it has about a 45 million gap to, uh, to cover. Did international cover it? I'm going to say yes. Then he says yes. Hmm. Oh, but this is pandemic. I'm going to say no. I'm going to still stick with yes. Brad is correct. It only made 26.9 internationally. It did not make mm, it up. Yeah, that's not even close. All right. <sighs> Need for speed. Oh, my God. Really? That that can't be real. No, it's real, and it stars the guy from Breaking Bad. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Aaron Paul? Aaron Paul. Oh, right. That was not that long ago. That was like in the last five years or something? Yes. Right? That was, I think it was oh, about can, five, six years ago. Oh, my God. I can, That was like kind of his one of his first big post-Breaking Bad things. Yes, it, it was. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. $66 million dollar budget. Dang. It's no a lot of cars. Brad, you're up. Man, there is no way. I'm going to say... 25? Brad says 25. I'm going to say 10. You're right that it did not make a profit. Brad was closer. Okay. It was 43.5. Okay, Damn, that's, that's respectable. That's better than I would expect. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not great, but it's something. Did International carry it to profitability? Uh, what was the budget again? 66. Hmm. Yes. Ooh, that's a toss up. I think I'm gonna say yes. Then he says yes. Um, I'll say yes. Also, you are both correct. It made 159 million dollars internationally. Dang, that's okay. Oh, that man, man, that's just drafting off of Fast and Furious. Yeah. Totally. Yes, it that's is drifting behind is. it. Lara Croft Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life. That's that, the third that's one? the sequel to that is the sequel to the uh, the the Angelina Jolie one. Okay, ninety five million one? dollar budget. Was she in the second one, or did they recast? They were. She was in the first two. Yes. Okay. Whoa. Ninety-five um, million. Hmm. Whoa. Who's up? Uh, this is this is Vinny. Whoa. I'm gonna say. So this was the second one. Yes, this was the one that came. And out then the they first. made a third one. The, well, they, they did a reboot it. in 2018. Okay. Now this is here's my thinking. First one obviously was on that uh, list yeah, of top made ones. Made a shit so they, ton of money. So they were like, let's do it. Make a second one. Spent too much. Didn't make its money back, but they're still high on their own supply from the first one, and they go for a third one. So I'm going to break my rule. I'm going to say it came in below. I'm going to say not enough to get Angelina back, so I'm going to say this one did like six, five, 60. Then he says 60. Brad, what do you got? 70. 
You were both very close. Vinny is the one who did not go over. It was 65.6. Mm. Oof. Okay, so here's what, I th- here's what I was thinking. They reboot. They don't get Angelina. They cut the budget on it because they know they can make, they're, they're going to aim for a lower target. Now, did it make its money back internationally? Did that, did that bring it to profitability? It's about, about a 30 million gap. Yes. I would say yes. You're both yeah. correct. It did. It okay. made 95 million internationally. Okay. Now, what about Tomb Raider 2018, the Alicia Vikander movie? What's your what budget, the budget for that? 94 million. Okay, they did mm. not cut their budgets by a lot. All right. Um, who's first on this? Uh, this is this is Brad. Man. Um, I'm gonna say a hundred. You're gonna say it made a hundred? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Vinny, I'm gonna say sixty again. You're both went over. Man, fifty-eight point two. Oh, that's that's spitting distance. They're doing another one though, aren't they? I don't know. I I, I, I haven't heard anything about I saw that. The, I'm positive I saw she was signed to do another one. Well, does that influence your decision as to whether they uh they made their money back internationally? I'm gonna say yes. I'm also gonna say yes. I don't actually know for a fact that it they are making another super one. did two hundred and sixteen point <laughs> four million dollars oh. internationally. Well, okay oh, then, man. Yes, they are doing a second one. <laughs> The uh, the foreign box office has never been more important than it is now. Yeah. For sure. All right. We're down to the... There's there's a few more of these, and then we're going to do the Uwe Boll lightning round. Uh, Oh, no. Oh, boy. Rampage. Is this me? Yeah. uh, No, this... Yes. uh, Yes, this is you. Uh, What was the budget? $120 million. Dang, Rampage. What are you doing? We're getting into the big bucks here. Uh, rampage paying, paying the rock is yeah. what they're doing. Uh, ramp rampage made um rampage made sixty five million domestically. Okay, Brad. Mm. Movies are expensive now. They like, are. To, to, this to is go a twenty eighteen movie. Yeah, yeah. So they were expensive to go get tickets to. So you're you're ma- you're clearing more. Um, sorry. What was the budget again? One one hundred twenty million dollars. Twenty one twenty. I'm gonna say one thirty. That might be optimistic. Brad went over. Damn. What did you say, Vinny? 65? 65. Yeah, you were under, so therefore you win. It's 101 million okay. domestically. Okay. I mean, The Rock, okay. the Rock is a you know, there's a reason he's yeah. the biggest, the highest paid star in the world. He's a pretty big draw. Now, did oh, yeah, it make he, up that gap internationally? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. My God, did it ever. $327 million <laughs> internationally. Yeah. Well, The Rock got some points on that one, hopefully. Yeah. He probably got Lord. a producing credit on that thing for being in that movie okay we're down to the final four of the regulars here these are the biggest budget uh video game movies of all time assassin's creed 125 million dollar budget damn brad what did it make Mm, 30 brad says 30 Uh, uh i'm gonna say that movie made 75 brad is much closer and also did not go over (laughs) It was fifty four point six million. Oh man! In the United States, okay. did the international cover it? Again, it has a very <laughs> large a gap, gap to cover. Mm, that's tough. That is, to I'm say. gonna say, at least a seventy five million dollar gap to cover. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna say yes. Mm, I'm gonna say no. Vinny is correct. It's super did one hundred sixty eight oh, million dollars. Wow. I mean, okay. international markets are just, from this point forward, are just ridiculous. Yeah. 
All right, so right now Vinny has a two-point lead. Heading into... Okay, this one, I, I know someone's going to yell at me because this is a name. It is not based on a specific video game. I don't care. It matters. It fits. Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, motherfuckers. Oh $137 million budget. I should know. I should who, know who is uh, guessing first on this one? Uh, is this is you, Vinny. <sighs> yeah. All right. So this was a kind of a, um, this was a bomb. We all know this was a bomb. Um how big of a bomb was it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say they took a bath, but I'm going to say they took a bath because the budget was so high and they made $40 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mr. Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. 41 You both went over. Damn. Mm-hmm. $32.1 million. Oh, my God. In the I forgot States. it was... Damn, I, th- I forgot it was that bad. <laughs> now, did it make its money back internationally? Uh, what was the budget again? 137. I I'm going to so. say no. It was too early. So you're both saying no. Yes. You're both correct. It made yeah. 53. That sounds about right. All right, here we go. Last two of the big budget blockbusters here. Warcraft. Hmm. Duncan Jones's that? Warcraft. $160 million budget. Jeez. Uh, who's up? Brad. I, boy. 50. Brad says 50. I'm going to say 60. Yeah, both went over. Wow. 47.3 in the United States. Did it make its money back internationally? Yeah, that's close. I don't, uh, actually. Yeah. Vinny says yes. Uh, what was the budget again? 160. Oh, geez, that's a pretty big gap, but but probably yes. You're super correct. $391 yeah. million dollars internationally. <laughs> Good Lord. All right, last of the big budgets. This is the biggest budget video game movie of all time currently. Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. No way. <laughs> really? $200 million budget. Dude, all, that movie's not even that new. How the f- how was that so expensive? Because it's Jerry Bruckheimer, baby. He spares no oh, expense. Of course. Of course. Okay. Well, first, okay. It's Jerry Bruckheimer and Disney, I think. So, right. So it didn't make the domestic top t- <laughs> top list because Sonic was only it was under one fifty. So, yeah, I know it didn't make its money back, uh, and it didn't make that list. So, uh, print, am I guessing first? I think I am. Yes, right? you are. So I'm going to say Prince of Persia made. I'm going to say forty. That one was kind of a clunker, and we've had a couple of forties that were pretty big budgets. So. Okay, so Vinny is saying forty. Brad, what do you got? I feel like there was a decent amount of hype around that one. Mm, forty-five. Sorry, Vinny. What was yours again? Forty. Forty. Four zero. Brad is closer. Mm, it made ninety point seven no million way. dollars. Whoa! No way. Good for it. Wow. Wow. Did it make its money back internationally? It has about a $110 million gap to cover. Absolutely. I think so. It super did. $245 million internationally. Man, I didn't realize that thing did so well. We actually need the Uwe Bowl lightning round because you are tied at 26 Uh, points apiece. Let's leave it at a tie. Well, no, let's let's just do the lightning round because this will be fun. How does the lightning round work? It's the same deal. It's just the four (laughs) Uwe Bowl movies. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It is the four that were theatrically released in the United States. Okay. Wait, How? hang on. I'm sorry. I'm. Uh, go ahead. I was going to see if I could name even name them, but I. 
totally cannot. Okay, and so the first one, House of the Dead, the thing that introduced us to the Uwe Boll oeuvre. Mm-hmm. $12 million budget, somehow. Hmm. Hmm. Brad, you're up. Two. Brad says $2 million. I'm going to say 20 Okay, Brad didn't go over, so he wins. Okay. $10.2 million. <sighs> okay. Now, did International bring it to profitability? I'm going to say yes. Yeah. You're right. It made, it literally by like $1 million. It made 3.5 <laughs> internationally. So it's somehow that movie turned to profit. That's how he stays in work, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So with that, we now have a two point gap. Uh, Alone in the Dark, starring Christian Slater. $20 wow. million dollar budget. Okay. This one, I think, did eight. Finney says eight. Two. Brad is closer without going over. What it was it? Five point one. <gasps> okay, boy, these are these are clunkers, huh? Yeah, yeah they're the, they're pretty fucking in, bad. Uh, did it turn a profit world. with international? You have to adjust for Uvable. Yeah, I'm gonna say no. This one didn't clear it. Even Christian Slater couldn't save that one. Yeah, I agree. You're both right. It made 7.5. Did not clear. All right, right now, Brad has a four-point lead. Okay. Blood Rain. $25 million were spent on that piece of shit. Okay. I'm trying. I could. I, ben I, Kingsley, baby. I was going to say, I could not. For all the money in the world, I could not tell you who played Blood Rain in that movie. Christiana Loken. Wow, really? Yes. Oh, of, wow. of Terminator 3 fan. Yeah, ter- the, uh, yeah, the Terminatrix. Yes. Huh. Also, Michael Madsen was somehow in that movie. If that, I don't know if right. that adjusts your math at all, but here you go. Right. Now it's coming and back. Only my international. Yeah. All right. So, Brad, you're uh, up first. Um, hmm, sorry, what was the budget again? 20 million. Oh, sorry, 25 million. Man, I feel like that was getting into the territory where he had really become a meme. Yes. Uh, man. Five. Brad oh, says that's five. what I was going to say. Uh, all right, I'll say, I'll say seven. You both went over. $2.4 oh, wow. million. Dollars. Wow. Did International Jeez. make it up? No. No. You're both right. Made, <laughs> only made another million dollars on top of that. Oh, my yep. gosh. Now, okay, now here's the really fun one. Because you will not believe how much money this movie costs. It, it, you cannot guess. In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale. Oh, God. Starring Jason Statham and Ray Liotta and Burt yeah. Reynolds. Now I guess it costs, I'm going to guess it costs $70 million. No points for this, but okay, that's your guess, Brad. Um, oh, wait, we're guessing we're just, the budget. Just guessing the budget for fun. Okay. Uh, that 70 sounds like a good guess, sure. Okay, it costs, you're close, it's 60. Somehow oh, okay. $60 okay. million dollars went into this piece of shit. How did he convince somebody to give him $60 million? Tax dodges, baby. Uh, What did it make? Is this me now? Uh, Yes, this is you, uh, Vinny. I can't win, though, right? So this is just for funsies. Uh, Yeah, the gap is officially... Brad Um, Brad has won this, but... Oh, I didn't... What if I nail it? 
I'll give exactly. you a ni- I'll give you a nice pat on the back. Okay, great. All right, name of the king. We've had a really good run here. If it helps at all, Ray Liotta plays an evil wizard. If that yeah, factors into was, your math, yeah, I've all. seen this movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say. Oh, you saw this? I did. I'm, I saw it in a theater. I'm gonna say three million. Okay. Did you see it as a joke? Yes. Or as a, I you saw it ironically. I, I definitely saw it ironically. Okay, just making sure. All right, Vinny says three. What do you say, Brad? Four hundred thousand. Okay, I appreciate the low balling. In this case, Vinny was closer. It was four point <laughs> okay. seven. Wow! Okay. Wow! Uh, did it make its money back? No. 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 It super didn't. Eight million internationally. Man. All right. So, Vin- so thank you, Vinny, for your participation. We greatly You're appreciate welcome. you, uh, you, you joining us here for. We'll give you a copy of the home game. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for being here with us. Brad, you are a winner, but now it is time for you to go for the the ultimate oh, prize. No. Oh, the number one! Like you're going to win the Volkswagen Jetta here if uh, if you if you get this one. Postal. Oh my god! I can't give you any real information on this because this actually never came out in the United States. Theater ch- chains refused to to host it. It only opened, and I'm giving you this information because I this is a special question. It only opened in Germany and Italy. Wow. How much wow. money did Postal make in the theaters, roughly? Internationally. like Just just, just, just a number. This is the only number nuts. they have. Okay. And is this another bowl joint? This is the last of the bowl joints that, I, as far as I know, got any kind of theatrical release. Oh, man. Um, again, I will say 400000 You went over. What? <laughs> $146,000. Holy shit. You don't win wow. the Volkswagen Jetta, but thank you for playing, and you are our Hang winner on. for today. Who is in that? That's uh, Dave, um, He's Dave, in Foley? It. Is, is, is Dave, Dave Foley. Dave Foley has a very Dave. unfortunate oh, no. bit in that oh, movie, yes. This was at the height of his, his divorce years, unfortunately. So oh, Dave Foley. Yeah, it's okay. The new Kids I, in the Hall is coming out. I'm sure that'll go well for him. So I don't recognize anyone else in this movie except Uwe Boll, who is yeah. in it himself. What a piece uh, of shit. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for playing. I hope you had a good time. Video game movies, they keep making them for some reason. Yeah. Ridiculous. Sometimes they make better. They're getting better. They are getting better. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this podcast and our movie quiz. Thank yes. you, Alex Navarro, for putting that, that together. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We learned a little something here today. We learned a little something about video games while we covered Tear Down, Rogue Legacy 2, The Iron Oath, and Myth Force. Then, of course, the news. Then, of course, about movie profits and don't sleep on international sales uh, is what they say. Especially these days. Holy cow. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I want to thank everybody for supporting us, making this all possible. If you want to support us, you can, of course, go over to patreon.com slash nextlander. Mm-hmm. Find yourself a tier there. Find one that fits on just right and keep us going. Keep, keep it all happening. Keep the movie budget uh, bonanza happening, though. Yes. Uh, you know, we've kind of covered the history here. So now you have a sense of moving forward what $150 million gross means in terms of video game movies. So thank you there. That's very educational. There is one tier here on the Patreon that gets a shout out on the podcast. And I'm going to read those names here. It is the Mysterious Benefactor tier. So if you are a Mysterious Benefactor for this week, get ready because here comes your shout out. Starting with. The Nth Review, Larganas, Vinny's Giant Booga Boogas, Nelson LeBlanc, James Smith, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, 
Nick Donegan, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, J.M., Jerry Lee, Gary Pejke, Conrad Kuzman, Robert Fisher, John McGinnis, Bunny Thorpe Tech Pod Crimes, okay. Peter, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Bacon Monk, Anders Buga, Devin Maestro Hall, Brian Murphy, Kevin Velado, Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Aaron Gonzalez Beer, Andrew Tiebkin, It's Me JP, Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Richard Welsh, aka Hired Noobs, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are our, our mysterious benefactors. Thank for you this week. all. And thanks everybody for supporting us. Again, over on patreon.com slash nextlander. Going on this week, we will have a Discord Q&A. That's our patron Q&A happening on the Discord Live. That'll be happening on Thursday. You can check the schedule for that for your local times. Uh, we've got a patron choice stream happening on Friday, and it sounds like neck and neck. What do we have going on? It may have literally changed since we started recording this. I think I'm actually going to once again have to download the CSV and count the votes. Damn. To see what wins. Teardown and Nintendo Switch Sports are in a dead heat. Teardown versus Nintendo Switch Sports. Who will win? I'm telling you, if Teardown takes it, you've got there's stuff to work with. A lot of mods. There are roughly 2,500 mods on Steam. Wow. Uh, if you want to vote, you can go over uh, and check the Patreon uh, for the voting tiers, and then also make sure to vote. Participate. Make your voice heard. So thank you very much there. Uh, and then next week we'll be back with more The Train Never Stops. That's what I heard. Toot toot. Toot toot. Toot sweet. Toot toot. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Alex. We'll be back next week with more from the Next Lander Podcast. See ya. <laughs>